0: Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and this the the Friday Conversation, episode 50. 50. So, wow. Yeah. So we have some of my my closest friends here, and here's another one that just popped in. Friend Daniel's here. So uh, let's start off with some introductions. Uh, Thomas, do you want to kick us off?
1: Um, Thomas J. Devins, uh author of The Fall of emerald Saga, a pretty epic fantasy. And that's about it. <laughs> thanks for
0: having me back
2: (laughs) of course and Chris Yeah, my name's Chris from sometimes YouTuber and the only thing I think I've ever wrote is a blog post about the dangers of being addicted to things whether on the internet or otherwise that uh yeah and the dangers that poses (laughs) or not or the fact that we revel in it (laughs) and uh John
3: I'm John Palladino author of The Trials of Ashmount a grimdark fantasy and uh Sometimes I show up here with Steve, who is awesome. And congratulations
0: on 50 of these episodes. For sure. Yeah, crazy, right? Mm. Yeah. And Hans.
4: Yeah, I'm Hans. I'm, I'm a laboratory technician by day and also a reader by night. And uh, this is my first time in Friday Reads, but I've been in some book discussions with Steve before.
0: Glad you can make it. And of course, our podcast friends. For the Prince of Nothing, Katerina.
5: Hi, I'm Katerina. As Steve's already said, I've been doing uh, the Prince of Nothing read-along podcast with uh, Steve and Daniel. And this is my first time, I think, on Friday Conversation. So thanks for having me and congratulations on the 50th episode.
0: Thanks for coming. Glad you can make it. And uh, Daniel?
6: (laughs) I'm Daniel. I'm also doing the Prince of Nothing podcast. We talked about the game or the House of the Dragon first season. I've also discussed a horror book or two and joined along a lot of the conversations.
0: Yeah, without Daniel and Katerina, I'd be totally lost. So (laughs) these two have put up with me for for several weeks, not knowing what's going on. So thank you again for keeping me
2: straight. (laughs) And now Daniel, you have to admit now you're probably a podcaster now and as as like a moniker to go along with uh, <laughs> with, your, with your name. You've done enough now that you've passed so, the barrier.
6: I'll, I'll accept sometimes co-host.
2: <laughs> sometimes I
6: co- I'll co-host with Steve, but that's it.
0: And uh Katerina, are you gonna add podcaster to your to your bio now too?
5: I think I might have to diversify first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It's uh you know it's amazing to me that we can all be all around the world and still come together and hang out. So thank you all for for hanging out tonight.
2: Yeah, yeah we're quite well spoiled yeah. for
0: We are, yeah. Pretty, pretty spoiled. And uh Thomas, uh you're in, up in New York, but we were just talking before, so you're not snowed in, you're okay. You're not you know no, four feet not snow so <laughs>
1: Right now it's like 30 degrees, but pretty dry. Nice. Yes.
4: Has it been a lot of snow in America?
0: Uh, Western New York has gotten hammered right now. I think they're under four or five feet of snow. Wow. Oh, in geez. the next couple of days. Yeah.
3: I'm also in New York and I have not seen much snow.
2: Hmm. Is, is New York built at all for snow? Because I know when it snows here, and i would say this probably in a lot of a lot of uh like europe or, or around the kind of germany france uk level as i am none of the infrastructure is set for any like an inch of snow and the whole place goes to hell yeah, like so, not... yes. yeah new york
3: is definitely built for snow but if you go in the south if it snows like if they even see a flurry they shut everything down yeah they're yeah, off, yeah
6: they're just not, not
1: like <laughs> Although
6: last, here, last year Austin, it still Texas went through like an inch of snow and the whole place went through a panic. They didn't have water, no heat. <laughs> yeah, it
4: was. Well.
2: Yeah, I just see like places like Canada. It's like eight inches of snow and everybody's like, ah, you know, we'll just put on an extra coat. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Are we still driving. I think New York's like that a lot, but the problem with New York is they have some cities that get absolutely demolished when it comes to snow, and it's like, even if you're set up for it, it's just, like, too much at once that that things just have to shut down. I think Buffalo is really notorious for that. Yeah.
5: We just got our first snow in Prague today, actually, but we tend to handle it pretty well in general.
0: You pretty prepared for it up there?
5: Yeah, I mean, it usually snows. Like, it, they, we used to get a lot more snow, but generally, we get at least a couple of days of snow every every winter.
0: So you went from the desert a few weeks ago to now in the snow. That's a big change.
5: <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely enjoyed the desert a lot more than the, like as soon as it starts snowing, I just get like I just go home. I get in the bed. And I don't leave my house until the spring. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love the snow.
2: <laughs> no, it's not for me, for sure. I'm a bit like a Katarina. As soon as there's a bit of cold outside, it's once you pass the age of about six or seven, it's like oh. no, my my relationship with snow <laughs> is at an end. You know the the fun aspect of it is is gone.
5: I do enjoy looking at it from the inside
2: but that's about it yeah it's pretty
0: that is for mm-hmm. sure what about you hans do you get a lot of snow out there
4: no we haven't had any proper snow for a decade i think just oh, wow. one, one or one or two days or often a little 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 layer of snow but nothing snow you can play in as a kid or something <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice and uh daniel do you have lots of snow in your part of the country
6: I think me and you are close to the same. We'll probably get a couple of days of snow and it looks really weird on all the red around because it doesn't like stick everywhere. <laughs> so much red dirt all over. <laughs> and
0: so it's, it's gone like, by 11.
6: yeah yeah, it's like snow in the desert. It's interesting. Yeah. but our the ski resort that's closest to where I live opened faster than, the northern part of the state where all the other ski resorts usually open which is kind of weird hmm. so like 50 miles from me they had eight feet of snow up in the mountains i haven't hardly seen any rain oh wow america is re- really wide so the weather varies a lot hans hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of different weathers going on all the way across America.
0: Hmm. Uh, Aaron says no more snow days. Thanks to re- thanks to recent events, everyone just goes online to work instantly.
3: <laughs> I think it depends on what you do for a job, but yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you, yeah. If you can, it's convenient just to not have to travel through it because it's nice to look at but when you have to travel into it it's not so nice.
3: Yeah, traveling sucks. <laughs>
0: yeah. And Thomas, how's your, how's the third book coming along?
1: <laughs> it's coming along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after, Super after optimistic. Like, uh, yeah. It's, it's just been an interesting year so far. I was like, four chapters away from being done with it and then like went through a big move and stuff and just kind of lost steam for a while and then started trying to get back into it, it was like holy shit, i don't remember what i wrote so, <laughs> reread the whole yeah. book twice and now i'm just um. going back through and Editing and rewriting like, a bunch of the first couple chapters and hmm. working my way back up to get to those last four chapters. Um, probably not going to be the end of the year, but I think probably January, February, I'll be releasing it.
0: Oh, nice. And John, how's your how's your book coming along? You still with the editor?
3: I got it back uh, a week ago. I've been editing it. I'm a third of the way through. Uh, I'm happy to report that the ease of editing this book is so much better than the first one. The most major issue I have is uh, apparently I killed someone twice. Uh, like Thomas, I uh, <laughs> I took a, a break in between writing. And uh, I guess the first section of writing, which was about 100,000 words, I think, uh i killed him right at the end of that section and i forgot and then i took a few (laughs) months off writing because i'm a binge writer and uh got back into it and when i got close to the end of the uh the book i was like oh my god i still have to kill this character i forgot about so then i killed him apparently he was already dead uh so you know i gotta fix that at some point and uh then My brother and his fiance are coming up here to visit for like a month and a half. So I'm not actually Mm. even thinking about drafting book three until they leave, which will be in January. Mm. But hopefully once they go, I can just start nailing this stuff out. But the edit is super easy compared to the Trials of Ashbound. So I'm super excited because that was a nightmare to edit.
0: How was your approach different this time?
3: Okay, so when I wrote The Trials of Ashmount, uh, I took the approach of, I don't want to have to deal with thinking, so uh, what I mean by that is uh, distances between uh, places, like traveling. uh, I didn't think about a consistent timeline, so I kind of just was like, if I keep it vague, no one's going to care or notice, or whatever. And then I submitted it to my editor, and my previous editor happens to be one of those people that, like, really cares and focuses on that stuff. And that really sucked, because while she had good points and I fixed it, it was a nightmare to fix, because I had to go back and me- I measured my map and kind of had to figure out the distance between everything so that it fit the story without having to rewrite everything and that was a nightmare. And then on top of that, I had to uh kind of figure out a uh t- like a timeline, so I didn't have like how long a season was like figured out. I didn't have uh any cohesion, I guess, between the points of views. So and I had five points of views, so it's kind of a nightmare to go back and fix so with this book two instead of keeping everybody uh separate so in book one i have like a heading it'll say uh what season they're in and what uh place they're in and in book two instead of putting the season with the character i I just made like each uh season a kind of a separate book within the book Mm -hmm. uh so i separated it that way and that kept things a lot easier so the first book was kind of written In a
4: nightmarish way. Stumbling you
0: fall forward, right? (laughs) Yeah.
3: I mean, at least the book two was a lot easier to edit, though, so far.
0: And Matt on Books is here. And uh, Matt Fantasy Book Reviews is here. And he's very close to 5,000 subscribers. So check out his channel, those of you who haven't already. I'm already Uh, subscribed. Yeah. Uh, Matt says, and here I am sitting here in 64-degree weather thinking I may get hypothermia. And that, that it possibly can't get colder than this. <laughs> I, I had to, to look up. Out the how temperature.
4: Many, oh, that's many. around twenty degrees Celsius. Oh. Yeah. Oh my God, that's
2: that's absolutely sweltering.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's 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 for like spring weather.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. Poor man. <laughs>
0: And uh, Matt says it might be easier for John to write in a couple of sentences about how a character gets resurrected.
3: Fair, but uh, not to hate on anybody, uh, resurrection trope is like my least favorite trope. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I, I he, give an author one time if they break it more than once. I generally am like, okay, I'm out.
1: <laughs>
7: you could just yeah, make was, them zombies.
0: Yeah.
1: What about death fakeouts? So that's different.
3: If you can explain, like why someone didn't die then uh or you know they get stabbed and then you come back and they're like not dead like i'm okay yeah. with those i i prefer not a ton of faking out but the resurrections like you're confirmed dead and then they're confirmed back drives me nuts i, I just yeah. feel like it takes away all the maybe not all of it but a lot of the tension in a book uh of course well, i'm talking as a grimdark fantasy person so uh, I completely understand why people would maybe disagree.
2: I, I imagine that like a hundred years ago, that kind of death fake-out would have been like super effective. But given the amount of stories that we'll all see in the meantime, until somebody's actually confirmed dead, I don't think anybody ever accepts that they may never return because it's been done so often. And I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a different, uh, different place we all sit in with, with regards to that, you know?
0: And uh, Anonymous is here. Uh, No bringing characters back from the dead. It's not a pretty picture. I don't like doing it. (laughs) That's the way it should be. Bringing characters back.
3: I struggle when... Uh, Did you guys see the show uh, Heroes? It was not, Mm -hmm. like, the greatest show, but uh, it really lost itself later on because of the resurrections.
7: Yeah.
2: It's like a... yeah, i was gonna say I had, I had enough good ideas for it to be really interesting for a long part and then the ideas sort of run out and they had to then do the reimagining it or that kind of stuff all the time it was like uh this was it's not as clever as i had given it credit for
3: yeah they just ended up resurrecting almost everybody and so then it was just like okay that, that's when they lost me when people just yeah. kept coming back i was like well no one's dead forever so what's the point
0: Go ahead, Daniel. I thought you'd say something.
6: <laughs> it is better that they don't take away like the weight of death, because it's supposed to be like the heaviest thing. So with people coming back all the time, it just kind of it takes a lot of that away. I have a question for the two authors, though. You were talking about how you weren't that meticulous about the, the weather, like what time of year it was. What what are you meticulous about that you enjoy, that you don't even think about it, you're just super meticulous about? What's the thing you like to write so much that you don't think about being meticulous, you just are, if that makes sense?
0: Mm, good question.
6: You want to
3: go first, Thomas? Sure, thanks a lot.
7: Um,
1: I think what I mostly get obsessed with is just like um, uh, character banter, or just like everyday lives of the character that like getting involved in their personalities and stuff like that.
7: cool so for it's like me it's everything like
3: that <laughs> i i think i agree a lot it's like characterization for me uh i'd also say the magic system in my book i kind of put a lot of effort into uh but mostly i think it's creating uh unique and memorable characters was like the thing that i really wanted to uh do well and that's what I tried to do. Well, whether or not I succeeded is a whole different uh, thing. But That's what I put my effort into. So if I failed, that sucks.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Katarina, as a reader, what are you meticulous about when you're reading? What's what's important to you? What what bothers you if it's not done with care?
5: I mean, is it a cliche to say I'm a character driven reader? I think that's generally like depth in characters is probably the one thing I care about the most in books. Um the world the world building would probably be the second thing. Like having a world that has a history um that has some social structures, political structures. That's the combination. I think those are like the two most important factors. Those are the things that I enjoy. Um and like you know like if you take the prince of nothing you can see why why i like that series too, so much <laughs> yeah.
3: that's actually a really funny point about world building because i hear that word a lot a lot of people really like world building and i'll i'll, I'll be the first to admit uh, before i really published a book uh, i heard that word i never really understood exactly what it meant and so i didn't really go into writing my book with like I better do some world building. I just kind of went naturally. And uh, of course, this is all subjective. So a lot of people that read the, my book said that I really did well in world building, which shocked me because mm. I didn't really plan it. And uh, hmm. I was really surprised. I kept saying, wow, he did a really good job world building. And I'm like, I did. Well, I didn't even know what world building was. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's kind of funny. Uh, how that worked out.
2: I I wonder if the phrase world building means different things to different people. You know, some people can talk about world building in the sense of like creating a location in a space, whereas I think for me it's about creating a world with different possibilities. So it's never really clear what the outcome is going to be because you set up a either a political system or a thematic system that says that this could happen or this could happen or gives still gives the author some space to kind of throw something unexpected at you and you go oh I didn't actually realize that was a that was a thing or a possibility in this world and by doing that you've added another layer to what's possible in this world so
0: hmm. what about you Hans What's what's important to you what are you meticulous about as a reader
4: um well i jo- I, I enjoy um a good setting i'm very uh, immersive reader so i need it's a good setting so for me the side characters and the world around it the main characters are most often more memorable than the main characters to me but the main character can be a vessel for story or yeah i don't mind that as much but the world and the the situations around it need to be believable that's why i like um yeah the tenderline dynasty and stormlight archive so much because the biology and the politics around the characters feel alive in those stories.
0: What about you, Daniel? What's, what, what's, what are you meticulous about as a reader?
6: I'm, I just like to be challenged. Like, after I read a book, I like to still think about a book. So I don't want the story to be real base, like Louis L'Amour, you can read it in a day. It's just a, a lifetime story. I like it to be something that makes me like reflect mm. on my own life. So I guess a lot of that would be prose. Yes, I, I guess prose would be important to me in that aspect. Mm.
0: And, uh, and I get know, that wor-
6: world building could like mean a a lot of things. I think almost any prose can actually mean a lot of things. Setting can mean a lot of things.
4: I agree.
0: And uh, let us know in the chat what, uh, what what you're meticulous about. We can discuss it and I anonymous comment once we have confirmed recognizable body parts being a sh- being shown bodies floating by the docks that gives that that character is dead can't give their lines to the living i agree <laughs> he, uh, also comments actually those who don't go overboard on the world building do better because they don't overcomplicate things that don't matter when beta reading, I find a lot of people overbuild their worlds.
3: So, I actually have something to say on this. I used to be an admin on a uh, writing group and a lot of people that haven't published get so stuck... Maybe published is the wrong word. A lot of people who haven't actually finished a first draft, they get really stuck in just world building constantly. I see people are like, well... I keep trying to write my book, but I have 30 pages of world building notes, and I'm not done. I'm like, "What are you doing? Get the story out! No one wants to read 30 pages of world building." Uh, even, you know, I know that they're probably for the author, but still, like, there's a point where you need to just start writing the book.
0: Hmm. Do you agree, Thomas?
1: Yeah, and I think I know what group you're talking about. i you very it, but. It- Yep. And yeah, a lot of people just will world build for years and just have like talk about having like multiple binders, but never move on past that. Just, I mean, it's good to do some of it to begin with, but eventually it, you got to stop and just start writing and then let your writing do some of the world building too. Like you could always add to that later. Mm-hmm.
4: Hmm. Yeah, so the, best kind of the best kind of world building the best kind of world building is the drip feeding world building.
8: Yeah,
3: I think so many people are trying to emulate Tolkien, which is a huge mistake in my opinion, because I just think that was his kind of like specialty, and like if you're not at that type of level, then maybe don't. be.
7: Maybe
2: but he also did it over multiple books in a very long period of time it wasn't like i mean i know he did plan out ahead but he you know he did it in very short-form version kind of a proof of concept and then started to to build it out and make it bigger over a very long period of time and you know he had to get justification or feedback to say actually this what you're doing here is good before he goes all in on it you know people like it
6: Our, 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 our age of authors that do that i think well were all dungeons and dragons players so Hmm. they've all also been building their worlds for 30 years just in their own head for their own other purposes i feel like erickson did that right didn't he play dungeons and dragons yeah and baker so it seems like that a lot of people build the world and then they had so much fun as a kid building the world that they're just They'll just
3: write a story in it. I think that there's a lot of authors that their worlds are kind of from role playing. Hmm. I think wasn't Nicholas Ames Ames. I Ames. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, but I think his world was from his D and D campaign as well, maybe.
1: It's it's heavily D and D like very influenced and just kind of like
0: a shout out.
1: It seems like I actually just finished *Bloody Rose* today. Oh, second book.
0: That's funny. <laughs> oh, nice. Just want to say how to covers with Cassidy. Thanks for coming by. And I anonymous, I anonymous mentions no one wants thirty pages of info dump. I had one whole dump on a sewage system of the world. I was just like this character is going to spend a lot of time in the sewers. Then, why? But then, D and D players also keep a very static, understandable system that everyone relates to it as opposed to creating new ones
3: yeah I think a hot take is that I actually prefer that people don't use D&D as an influence but it's because I get I'm gonna say the wrong word I think here because it's not necessarily true but I've kind of gotten sick of the influence but it's not that I'm sick of it it's just like I can't think of another word I guess it's just I don't know. Cliché, maybe? Trope. Hmm. It's just trope-y. a common trope. Yeah, it's just like... I don't know. I prefer like... This is going to be the wrong word, too. I was going to say originality, but like you can still be original with a D&D setting.
2: But, but d d is like a known tool set, if that makes sense. You know, if you if yeah. you were just using the same tools all the time and you kind of, I think the reader has an expectation that they know what's going to happen in the world. I think it goes back to what I said a second ago. Your ability to really be creative within that is kind of constrained by what you're initially set up to do in some way, which is why, you know, when you read a book or read a series of books and you find that the world changes from what your expectation is, I think that's really interesting because it fires the imagination to go, oh, well, if that's possible, then actually what I thought could have happened in the story totally changes. And then therefore, in my mind, becomes a lot more fun to read.
0: Hmm. Kind of a starting point to know where, you know, kind of a little more familiar. Yeah. And
3: yeah, I think there's an argument to be said for that. A lot of people want to read familiar stuff. They do And uh, yeah. that's cool. I, I think, you know, there's so many reasons why people read. I personally prefer something that i haven't maybe seen before or uh don't know kind of what's out in the world uh that being said i think you can still write a really interesting and uh surprising world that's set in like a dnd thing i just don't mm-hmm. know that a lot of people do in the way that i would like Trying to not sound like an asshole, you <laughs> and I'm not. I really don't mean like, <laughs> like I'm not hating on it. I'm really not. I've enjoyed plenty of uh, books set in like these worlds, so I think I might be sounding more critical than I actually am. But I'm having a hard time figuring
7: out the words to phrase what I mean. I guess.
3: Uh, I think
4: i think d d is considered base level fantasy in this current age like everyone knows DD, so it's like mm. the base level so if an author sticks to the base level then we see it as unoriginal while it's more like they just do the basic stuff and that's okay we like reading that sometimes but we like people that invent something else or something on top of that base level it's like if you eat a, a, a recipe a bland or you use a few spices, like they both eat edible, but one is better than the other.
3: Yeah. Hmm. I think, uh, I think that's fair. Uh, and th- I'm sure there's plenty of books I've read that are influenced or, uh, inspired by or set in D and D worlds that I love and don't even realize it. Uh, it's just, I think, if i know it and i can recognize it i tend to prefer uh other stuff but again i still really enjoyed the other you know i grew up and i read the uh, dragon and thought that was awesome. awesome so you know i i have enjoyed the dnd stuff
8: before
2: i know we've talked about this but the expanse book series is also based in a dnd game even though it's a sci-fi uh, retelling, but the character tropes and the uh, the archetypes that they use are very much based from their their D and D characters that they would set up.
0: Hmm. Yeah, we have we have, and the more I the more I read of those books, the more I appreciate the TV series. They did yeah. such a good job with that adaptation. It's crazy. It is. In fact, it may be better than the books.
2: No but without saying too much about it, I think they give the uh, the actors the opportunity to add something to it. You know, rather than just being a retelling of the story or dramatisation, you give the situation where somebody can can add layers to it by a performance. Like, I think we talked about the fact that the, drummer of, of the character drummer wasn't actually written that way in the books, but when you get an actress that owns the space as much as you have, you give that character bits from the books from different characters to kind of put together and go, here, you're doing such a good job with this. Let's use this part to kind of to kind of tell a better story or a slightly different version of the story. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really cool idea.
3: That actually makes me want to ask you all a question. Then, off of what Chris just said, when it comes to adaptations of uh, known properties, so like Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragon, whatever, uh, do you guys prefer that they stay as close to the, sur- the source material as possible, or do you like it? When they kind of uh, have some creative uh, changes slash liberty without, this is the key, without shitting on the actual source material. Because I personally love, like I really liked Game of Thrones, and I actually kind of liked a lot of the changes they made in some of the earlier seasons, uh, which might be a hot take, but I really didn't like... The whole, uh, I forgot her name now for some reason, but the Stark Mother storyline, okay. Lady Stoneheart. Um, I didn't like that so much in the books, So I, I kind of don't mind the changes in the show as long as they aren't like ruining the world, I guess. What do you guys think?
0: Katerina, do you want to take this one?
5: <laughs> sure. <laughs> Well thanks for putting me on the spot. Uh, I think <laughs> I think generally prefer if, uh, if changes are made to the adaptation. I mean, it's, it's not necessary, but if you're not making any changes, then why would I watch the show? I can just go and read the book. Whereas even I mean even if you are loosely inspired by a book, but you, you create your own story based on that, then that to me is more worthwhile. Than just watching something I've already read, and I mean, sure, like some changes can be for the better. Like, like one example I can think of is uh, the adaptation of Watchmen, hmm. the the graphic novel. I actually prefer, like. I know it's it's very loyal to the to the comic, but they changed the ending, and I actually kind of preferred the ending of the film to the comic.
2: Interesting, interesting I agree. is right because. I agree. I think this probably splits a lot of opinion, but I absolutely <coughs> wanted to turn off the t- the TV and the movie at exactly the point they changed it because, to me, the essence of what made Watchmen great, for me, was the ending. It was that revelation at the end of what the ultimate aim was trying... Or the ultimate body was trying to do. But that, that's the difficulty with adaptation, isn't it? It's because, actually, when we read source material or we go for source material, what we enjoy about it differs from person to person. So if somebody's come along and going to change something, they're obviously going to change some aspect of something that somebody loves uh, in some ways. So uh, I wouldn't like to do it, that's for sure.
0: Hmm. I, I thought the change in the movie was much better than the book that, and the the whole, I, I will only spoil the, the comic, but there's some, there's some things that play it into the end in the comic that didn't really make sense. It didn't need to be there, but I won't say too much about it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Hans? What, uh, do, you, do you mind changes in adaptations? <laughs>
4: well just like katerina i think it needs to be changed a bit to make it interesting and i think going from a, a written format to a visual format you need to change some things because you can't look in people's heads and stuff so you need to change stuff and um, i don't only read fancy; i read very widely i've i really enjoy children's book as well and they often get anime, uh, animated adaptation adaptations and I like those most often because they try to cram the story in a different time frame than the original format so they either lengthen it which is one of my favorite things i think all of my favorite adaptations are short stories that they've adapted to a big format and lengthened them and extended them so you can give a personal view of the author like one of my favorite movies is the sick um the, uh, Walter Mitty. Uh, I forget the full name. secret it's life that, of. That. Yeah, secret life of Walter Mitty, and it's a short novel that's only like a few pages long. So it's cool that they add su- such a different take on it while keeping true to the story. So, yeah, I I haven't re- re- seen a lot of popular adaptations because I want to read the books first. But that's my channel if you want adaptations. What
0: do you think, Daniel?
6: I guess I have a nuanced view of it. It depends on if it is a hit or a miss for me, but I think staying true to the original is like as true as you can is the best method of adapting something because I'm going to say 90 to 95% of the people won't read the book. People don't Hmm. read the book. So if we're not going to stay true to what the book was, for the majority of people who see it, the, the movie would become more true. The, hmm. the ending that the author didn't choose would become the truth, that makes sense. Hmm. But I've seen adaptations that I liked better than the book, and I've seen it go the other way. It all just depends on the material and
2: how it's done, I think. I I find I'm way more forgiven of it outside of genre shows. So if you have an adaptation of a crime story or something that really is set in the real world and and they've taken some artistic license for that, I'm way more forgiven of saying, right, okay. They've given that opportunity more room to grow there. Or that was a minor character in, in the novel, but actually they've made it a much larger character or taking on the role of other ones but things that are that are things that i love i often think the, the adaptation is made for not me you know it's obviously made to expand the audience so if i'm saying to someone oh this is one of my favorite books you should watch the show that's coming out and then the show comes out and it really messes again with that idea of what i loved about that show and they're like did you really like that and it's as if it's some sort of reflection of my recommendation Not mentioning the wheel of time Mm TV show season one, in any way, shape, or form, but um, (laughs) but yeah, I think uh, there's a (laughs) yeah,
4: but I think there's a good point to be made here because a lot of fancy novels are we know them because of their fantastical elements, and those are often what's cheaped out on the end. Um, Those are often the things that are cut away or, or made cheap because that's expensive. And you, when you see such an adaptation, you can see the monetary uh, reasons behind cutting or changing some things. And that's what irritates me sometimes because in a, in a, in a normal, like it, what's mentioned in the chat, here, it's Shakespeare plays, for example,
7: mm-hmm.
4: or um, new schools or stuff that's been adapted several times. It's just interesting to see the changes that are made. But because I said in the real life of the world, it's not as
0: impactful, I feel like. And Yolene, thanks for coming by.
8: Yeah, hey. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I, I didn't want uh, to miss this, so I'm a little bit late, but <laughs> very happy I yeah. can make it. All
0: right, glad you can make it. We were just talking about adaptations and whether we mind if an adaptation is uh, changes aspects from the book.
8: Oh, okay. That's interesting. So I'll, let, so... I'll let you
0: think on your answer. Uh, we we'll don't <laughs> want to put you on the spot right away. Uh, Thomas, what do you, what do you think?
1: I... I guess it depends. Like, sometimes, if I'm especially close to the original book or something like that, I might get a little bit annoyed. The Watchmen is an example of that, like, the ending of that when I saw the movie, is was like, I hated it. But I also <laughs> get it. <laughs> but I just love the ending of the comic so much. Yeah. But at the same time, now... Like, nowadays, I try to just take the two as completely separate things. Like, mm. this is a show, this is a book, it's supposed to be based on it, but I don't expect it to be the same. And as long as they at least try to get some of like, the basic themes accurate, some of the world accurate, you, you have to judge them on separate scales. Because mm. it's a whole different medium, it involves so many different things. And trying to cram a book into a few episodes is difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or at least I'd imagine. I never did it, never want to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: What did you think, Yuli?
8: Yeah, I I agree with that, I think. I'm always very forgiven when it comes to adaptations. It's it's not a one-by-one comparison. It's a different medium. So you can't make it exactly the same. And I even sometimes like it when it is different. Because when you've read the book and it's exactly the same, you you know what to expect. And there's nothing new to it. But it can be a bad adaptation. And just like an original series can also be bad. But if it's different from the book, I don't really mind that much. But I'm also not really a super fan about anything. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's also a reason why I don't really care that much.
3: That's actually funny because I would say I'm a super fan of some things, but I actually prefer when they differ because I don't want to experience the same thing twice.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: It's an, also an interesting point that Thomas made. Like, if you have those different endings and say Watchmen's a good example. Well, now we have two ends of that story and I can love the booking ending and somebody else can love the movie ending and we all still like the story. So actually it actually serves its purpose in some way by giving people options for which part of, the story they want the own which so quite cool.
0: sometimes i, I think of, of an ad- adaptation as a like a third like a second pass at it so sometimes mm-hmm. you can fix things that you wanted to change from the from the book so i'm sorry daniel go ahead
6: i was going to circle back to dungeons and dragons and how <laughs> everything is an adaptation off of that right but some of them are good and some of them are bad and They can be quite different, too, even though it's kind of the source material.
0: Hmm. So I want to say hi to Spectre. Thanks for coming by, Spectre. And uh, Aaron had a question. If you take something like Shakespeare plays, imagine if they had been performed in the same way when they were written, would they have endured? So it seems like there. I think, uh, is it you know the stories are always evolving and changing over time? I
2: think too. So I literally have just done one of my lessons this week in class on um, retellings of classic stories and using the mm-hmm. tropes of, of famous stories. So I had given people the option of the, the original Frankenstein story, which obviously written in 1818 and the tropes of that, and then the modern retellings that have done of that, uh, and actually how they can widely differ though they can go different genres etc so things like Google Cop and whatever else are basically Frankenstein stories but actually retold for a totally different genre or audience and actually how, how interesting they can still be even though you sort of know the story
4: and I think that's a popular genre these days um like Madeline Miller uh Searcy, or um, song of Achilles or,
7: mm-hmm.
4: or this so many young adult beauty enemies the retellings these days so okay. the, somehow these stories people like the expectations they get from a story and they know the general line it's gonna take but then they like when there's some variations on their theme, so i think that's that's why they endure like how would kids nowadays know greek mythology if they hadn't read person jackson like these things are important to keeping all the souls up to date, in my opinion.
0: Uh, Spectre commented, sometimes I like when a movie is a little different than the book. When I read the book, it's like you get bonus scenes.
2: Mm. I like that idea. You can even extrapolate that to retellings or remakes of TVs and movies. You can think of the initial groan whenever they say they're going to remake remake. Insert X property here, and people go. Why does anybody need to remake this? The story was already perfect the way that it was, or or everything. And then it comes along, and people would judge it in some merits thereafter.
0: I think we get attached too, to to stories, and we, the, okay. you know, what they even if we wouldn't subjectively wouldn't like it as much, we we still get attached to them, and it becomes a nostalgia thing we just like it yeah. because that's what it is, and that may not be the best choice for it.
3: I mean, ultimately, I think they're just trying to bring more people to it. It's mm. all about money. <laughs> so, <laughs> putting it on screen, you get a lot more people. I think it's basically just that.
5: I mean, and I think it works. Like, I don't think I would have read A Game of Thrones if I didn't know, if I didn't hear that the HBO was adapting it into a TV show. Mm. Um, Because at that age, I I was still reading Aragorn and Twilight books, you know.
3: That's awesome, because when I was a kid, I grew up right when, you know, the Harry Potter phase was starting. And I think it was two or three books that were out when the first movie came to theaters. I can't remember exactly. But I know a few years prior to the movie coming out, uh, I got the first book in the series for Christmas from some random family member. And I remember looking, well, I can't remember who, it was, sorry. but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I opened it and I was like, wow, this looks awesome. I'm going to read it. And for anyone who hasn't, for the one person who hasn't read uh, Harry Potter, the first chapter or two when you're like a 10-year-old is kind of a struggle uh, if you don't know what the book is about. So, And it's kind of weird, and so I kind of DNF'd and said, I'm not getting back into this series ever, because screw it. And then my friend was like, let's go to the theater. And I was like, cool, I'll always go to the theater. I don't care what we're watching, because my mom will give me money for uh, food. (laughs) And uh, so I was super excited, right? Uh, It's like the same thing when I was a kid. I'd always went to sport games, because I'd get money to get uh, food, but I hate sports, so... Uh, so I'd go wherever my friends wanted to, if I was going to be able to get some money for food. So I went to the theater and they're like, Oh, by the way, we're watching Harry Potter and I almost died. I was like, I don't want to see crap. And then I saw the first movie and I was like, Oh my God, that was way different than I thought it was going to be. So as soon as I watched that movie, I read the entire series and bought every single book that came out as like it released. Uh, I think it was the next, uh, four that came out. After the movie, I might have that wrong, but so I think that the movies and TV shows can definitely bring a lot more people to the books too, for sure.
0: Yeah. So if you wouldn't have received that book from a random family member, would you be an author now?
3: <laughs> oh yeah, I don't think that Harry Potter changed me like that. Um, Are you I sure? Don't... It sounds like it's more <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yeah, I don't know why I ever thought I should start writing, but I've been writing since, uh, I don't know, seventh, (laughs) eighth grade maybe, Uh, like seriously, like trying to write something. Uh, I don't really know why that desire started. Actually, I think I do. I think it's because I kept reading books that were super predictable And cliche and tropey. And there were moments where, even as a child, I would, in my head, kind of be like, oh, okay, so this is going to be the ending of the book. And uh, Mm -hmm. Aragon is one of those examples. And I hated that book. Uh, No offense (laughs) to the people that like it. Uh, It's just, it wasn't for me.
5: I'm not going to defend it.
3: Um, to be fair I did really like the first half of eldest and, and then the second half really again did I think it was the first half I don't remember it's been I was like what 12 I don't remember 13 14 15 and I'm old now 34. So it's been a while
6: um,
2: give me a break Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Over to thirty-four. My God. Yeah, get out of, get out I, to
3: be fair, I feel old. Okay. <laughs> this is my truth. Damn it. <laughs>
0: Aaron had a good question. Any books you you all would love to see adapted that haven't been yet? First
8: mm. Law. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great choice. Mm. I
1: think that would be very easy to adapt like or to do a good job of adapting it it was very cinematic
3: i also think they could do a decent name of the winds like show or something
1: i thought they were planning on one of those years ago but oh maybe i i remember hearing that there was like a series and a movie planned
3: Well, the problem with this is that they buy the rights to all these things, and then only like twenty percent of them actually get made. It's really a giant waste of money.
0: It's pretty. It's sad too because when it gets optioned, they have the rights to it, and the creator can't do anything with it. It's like in this holding pattern. So I wonder how many of these series get wasted on the shelf, just waiting for something to happen that never happened. It's kind of sad.
3: Countless.
7: Yeah.
0: What about you, uh, Daniel? What, What would you like to see adapted? I think I might have an idea.
6: I think that that would be too hard. I think maybe like (laughs) the Gentleman Bastard series might be Uh cool. Oh, yeah, I
7: forgot about that one.
6: It has enough intrigue and the like friendship bond. would be cool since I've watched it and I know what happens. I'd want them to change the end of that, maybe.
0: That's one that's really based on the
6: intrigue. Hmm. The problem
0: what about you, though. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Go ahead, oh. Daniel. go I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead.
5: <laughs> no, I, I'm still thinking. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think I necessarily want, and for any of my favorite books to get adapted. Like, if it happens, I'll probably watch the adaptation. Um. Lately, I've I've been actually craving more for original TV shows, Mm -hmm. to be
7: honest. Mm -hmm. I feel
5: like a lot of the things I've been watching are either the adaptations or remakes and it's it's, it's getting a little bit um, boring.
3: I have a question for you then. Do you know of any original fantasy shows? I'm trying to think of any and struggling. I guess Vikings kind of, but C. I think they're all adaptations,
0: right? Is C an adaptation? I
2: don't know. No, No, C is original. Original. Yeah, yeah. I thought C was. uh,
3: Isn't that? It's an original
2: by Stephen. Well, it's dystopian. Like that dystopian thing is like it. It is a future thing, but it's like a regressive future because it's dystopian in that it's kind of going back to mysticism and a lot of well-done fantasy tropes at that stage. Uh, But pure fantasy, yeah, that's a tough one yeah that's tough
5: i mean fantasy like original television fantasy series that's hard i guess because you like you don't you i mean you you have to probably world build first right so that's an extra layer of work eh, to put in um yeah i'm trying to think um it'd be awesome though to get some
3: original fancy
2: but it's a hard sale because fantasy adaptations are very expensive and the reason that you would do an adaptation is because you're taking an audience with you, uh, and they're they're doing the hype, they're doing the uh, the selling of the show while it's in production. Um, whereas a completely new one is risky.
5: Is Buffy like would Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. be considered an original show? I think. Or like so. anything by Joss Whedon, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What about uh, Dragon Prince? You ever watch? And you all watch that it was yeah that it was it's, it's that pretty good that actually that and yeah
4: animated.
7: it's
3: pretty good yeah i think that chris had a really good point though because it's like if you don't have proof that this is going to sell holy crap making a fantasy show is expensive
2: yeah mm-hmm. even think about buffy series one uh, the budget must have been about three potatoes and and and, and <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. not a it's not a good looking show and it's not actually a particularly interesting show for the first series but i think it was probably enough of a proof of concept for them to go right okay give me some money now and i think we could make this awesome uh and obviously i
5: would not okay. argue with that yeah <laughs> I've never seen
4: it. i think it's more more often that animated movies are fancy originals but they aren't series of course mm.
3: Yeah, animated, you
7: could probably come up with quite a few examples, I'm guessing. Yeah, because
4: drawing a dragon is the same effort as drawing a person walking around. It's not the same, but it's similar effort.
8: Yeah, well, when
3: you're drawing everything, it's, you know, you're right, it's the same, but. Dragons CGI, otherwise, and if they're not CGI, they probably look terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I say bring back just a bunch of puppet dragons and old school, like eighties special effects, all for it. <laughs> mm.
7: The
1: Nation? <claymation. laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I would. I would love to see. Um... Like something like Beyond Redemption adapted. Mm. Yeah. That'd be tough. Dear you God,
3: know. that'd be a disgusting <laughs> thing to watch.
2: Also yeah. true.
8: Also yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> true.
2: Rubtick's heads, heads War eternal. That could, again, that singular character of carrying the show could be really interesting to watch. And having a, a very powerful female young character who's just burning everything around them. I think could be awesome. Mm-hmm. or even uh what
0: are some other, well prince of nothing might be interesting to adapt that'd be a tough one to adapt to That'd have to be like a late night hbo kind of thing or something because that'd be that would have to change a lot to adapt that
5: yeah I, I imagine it would get a lot of backlash because of certain things or because of how the world is set up
0: true yeah
3: lot, am i right in saying there's a lot of like sexual assault in that book I think I remember hearing that.
0: There's a lot of bad things in that book, yeah. Yeah, so you know I
7: how mean, how people it's...
3: reacted to Game of Thrones and the sex.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And,
5: and just in general, it's it's a it's a world where women are treated pretty terribly, or yeah. yeah. kind of at the bottom of the society.
2: That's- I think any upcoming uh, adaptation of *Misborn* that hits hard yeah. might change this conversation all over again because yeah. if Mistborn hits as hard as it probably should and will. Then everybody will be running around scrambling for properties of a more lighter fantasy genre than the ones that have been. Yeah, there. I was I was about
4: to mention that, especially because it's in the works, so it's yeah. coming. um
7: Yeah,
4: that's that's one I would really think that w- would work in in a in a TV setting, not in the yeah. really Yeah. Well. I, I I have a few know um, if that's okay. Um, go, go. I think, I think one is an obscure novel. It's called A Book Dragon. It's about a, a dragon that survives into the modern age because it can shrink in size and grow mm-hmm. and stuff, and it, it, it bonds with it like this monk that's writing a book in the medieval times it's interesting because it's taking a long time because it's, uh, hand painting all of the pages. Um, another one I would think would work well as a TV series is the long way to a small angry planet. I don't know if any of you have read that book. It's by Becky Chambers. It's about a bunch of aliens in a, in a spaceship. They uh, just take a very long trip in a, a long way to a small angry planet and just <laughs> chat between all of the alien species it's very interesting um yeah and miss ball was the last one and i now can use uh, books i would love to see in a in a format as well the deadline dynasty but then in chinese cinema so like these epic giant skill battles and stuff cool. Yeah, okay.
0: Uh, Aaron had a question for you, John. Uh, did you like the Aragon movie? I never
3: saw it, uh, <laughs> but I don't have to to know that I'll hate it. <laughs>
0: uh, Austin, Austin says, "I feel you, John. I'm 27 and feeling old."
7: Uh. Wait
3: until you're 30; it all hits you in the face.
0: That's all. Just, keep in touch. Right. Just, <laughs> just, just wait. Yeah. Uh, anonymous votes for, uh, First Law and Children of Gods and Fighting Men. Ah. That would be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if those. I don't know if any of you have read The Winter Road by Adrian Selby. That'd be a good, a good uh, book to adapt, like a like a one or two season series. Mm. No, or even a movie.
8: That's a standalone, right? Hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: uh i would love to see the gentleman adapt that i think it's a uh, two front two time frame setup would do well Ooh. i think the special effects for the orcs might be a little expensive but otherwise I think the
3: biggest problem with that is they will quickly catch up to scott lynch and then we'll have a game of thrones season a problem possibility
0: <laughs> is uh scott lynch finishing that series or i thought the trilogy uh, was wrapped up
3: it's not a trilogy it's a seven book series
0: oh Seven. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. So I'm thinking of um, a
9: different series. John the Friends,
6: forever.
0: It's like three books out of five. The
9: Thorne of
6: five years
3: late now. I, yeah, I
1: thought the fourth one was supposed to be the last one. No,
6: yeah. uh, there's
3: titles for all, s- I think it's seven. I think there's titles for oh. all already made. On um, if you go to Wikipedia on Scott Lynch, you'll see them all. Uh, mm. But yeah, Throne of Emberlim was four, and then I, I'm pretty... I'm like 98% sure there's three more. Hmm. Or there's supposed to be three more. Yeah. Who yeah. knows what's going to happen? Because I can mm-hmm. see it being like, okay, I'm done after this one because of the nightmare. You, know? you, never, <laughs> yeah. you don't really know, really.
0: Mm. And uh, I anonymous uh, mentioned uh, Vikings was an adaptation, just an adaptation of a very old book. So there you go. Right. The list gets shorter. Uh, Cassidy, yeah, the Dragon Prince is, uh, I think, but it's animated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Charmed. Charmed. I think. I think in a
4: similar vein, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender is a very good show that was original at the time, but it's also animated. Which one? Sorry. Uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender.
0: Oh yeah, was that a uh was it a book before or was it was it a? no that book? was
4: that was original at the time yeah. oh
0: <laughs> uh, austin i i would love amazon to do something new instead of rings of power haven't watched but got put up from what i've heard Blech.
7: well i have
3: good news because next year the fallout adaptation comes out and they're working on a mass effect one
0: and yes. hopefully
8: they're both good
0: Yulina, I think you're pretty reasonable with this kind of stuff. What did you think of Rings of Power?
8: I really didn't like it. (laughs) 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 And I have not read The Lord of the Rings. I've not read anything else by Tolkien. So it's not like I'm a super fan and some things are Mm. changed and now I'm offended. But it just didn't make sense. I watched the first four episodes. And after that fourth one, I thought, yeah, no. If, If this was an original series... Nobody would watch it, so I'm happy for the people who enjoy it, but that just wasn't good.
7: I also have I actually quite enjoyed it. Oh really? Yeah.
5: Um, yeah, I I I mean, I I, was, I did watch both, I uh, The House of the Dragon and Rings of Power. Um, I understand and agree with a lot of the criticism of Rings of Power, especially when it comes to the writing. Um, but there was still something about the story and the characters that I really got attached to. And I guess also one reason for me why I enjoyed the show is that I its like for me, television or film, it's audio medium and the visuals for me can be quite important in a film mm. or a TV show. And I don't think I've ever seen a TV show that looked so good okay. on the screen. Um, so even if yeah, there are, there are certainly like some plot points that don't make sense or could have been written in a, in a way that would make them more um, that would make make the show flow more naturally, I still end up liking a lot of the characters and caring for a lot of the characters, maybe more than the characters on the House of dragon. Um, mm. And the Ooh. visuals oh were like, The visuals topic. were amazing, um, and the music was great as well. So I, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm open to fair criticism of the show, but overall, like, I was quite happy with it.
2: Wow. I, I made it to the end, and I have to admit, it was my wife really enjoyed it, and I sort of hit watched a lot of it. But actually, once it got to the end, <laughs> it, it was fine. Like, uh, I'm sort of, I, I will watch the second series. And there's no doubt, Katarina, you're right. It is one of the most stunning looking things I have ever seen on the screen. And in fact, in some ways, I think it makes the films look poor. In comparison, it was it's incredible to look at.
3: So I also haven't read any of Tolkien because I can't stomach his writing. Hot take Hot Yeah, I know that's me. Uh,
2: you yeah, should get a bail for every time you have one. So we'll like, a, like have a border around the edge of the screen. John hot Tick incoming.
7: Yeah,
3: true. Uh, it, it's just not for me. I'm glad that a lot of people like him. Uh, but I saw the first episode of Rings of Power. I was super excited for another fantasy show. Uh, mm. But I, like Yoli and I, couldn't get over the, uh, the writing, really. I really didn't like that. And so I stopped watching after the first episode. But I really wanted everyone that liked it to end up loving it. Because even though I really despised it, honestly, uh, <laughs> I think that... You you want these things to succeed, right? Because if Rings of Power is a colossal failure, which I guess you could argue in some ways it was, but you don't want it to be because it's just making every other fantasy adaptation or show that much riskier to make. Yeah. And that's not good for any of us.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Did you watch Rings of Power, Daniel? Did you check it out?
6: Not, not no. yet. I watched one scene that was pretty cool, though. Probably the craziest scene in the show, so. I guess they backed us into a corner where we have to watch it if we want more fantasy shows. Is
2: well, true?
6: is, it needs views.
3: I'm angering the chat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll just say that it's not a Tolkien problem. It's a anything written before like nineteen seventies, Rob I
2: I do think tonally it's it's a bit out in its own now though, given a lot of the stuff that's been made now is sort of grimdark. It's very it's very serious in a in a silly way though. You know, everybody takes it super seriously within the world, but still everybody has the very pointy ears, the kind of things that have been made fun of over the years since. So it's like it creates a sort of this disconnect between 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 watching it and, and and everything else that's going on compared to the other things that are on screen at the time in the fantasy genre for me you know
5: i actually I know. felt the opposite way ah. and and I, I say that as the one who most like predominantly reads grimdark or like yeah. fantasy um watching the house of dragon like, as as much as i totally uh respect the qualities of the show it felt like i've it kind of felt like i've seen it before like the, the, the tone of the show, it just it felt quite repetitive. Whereas yeah. Rings of Power, even though I, I'm also not like, well, I don't want to say I'm not a talking fan. I did read Lord of the Rings when I was a nine and I have not reread it since. So <laughs> um, it's almost as if I haven't read it. Um, so, I, so I don't really consider myself a talking fan, whereas more like talking ignorant. But um, I, I still in, I, I enjoy the show because it, the tone was different.
1: Yeah, that's um. interesting. I I watched Rings of Power and I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Um I'm not a huge Tolkien fan. Like I read The Fellowship and The Silmarillion because I forced myself to. And I appreciate the work, but it's just his writing style I don't really want to read and I know the story. Or at least the bulk of it. But... Rings of Power I enjoyed. I mean, it, I'm not going to say it was like the best show ever, but it was good. Hmm. House of the Dragon, I'm two episodes in, haven't gotten back to it. Wow. But also, I don't have HBO on my TV in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, (laughs) and i'm not going down and watching it with my roommates
2: we all first order problems for sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) so it's partially that but also i wasn't as pulled into it
0: hmm interesting
7: yeah, I uh,
3: think that we have too many House of the Dragon haters in here, because for me, it was a 10 <laughs> out of 10 season. But I do appreciate what uh, Katarina said. I think that yeah. it did feel very familiar, especially in tone. Like, you're like, okay, we've been here before, and I mean, I still loved it, obviously. But I just thought the characters and the story was really interesting, but uh, I, I do understand and agree with a lot of the criticism it gets, too. Um, but I, even with the criticisms, I was super happy with it. You know, after after the ending of Game of Thrones, especially, like I was planning on not watching the show, so uh, pretty happy that it like brought me back in.
0: Hmm. Uh, anonymous had a comment. No, I don't want them to do a Misborn adaptation. I do not see it adapting well. all. Because it's so, also dark and misty, and no, I don't, I don't uh, see it costing way too much to do it right.
3: But they are making one, right? That's good yeah, right. they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. Oh,
0: yeah. they are.
2: I, I think no. so. Yeah.
4: Brandon Sanderson um, said they were uh, talking about it with his own production company.
2: Yeah, he said he would be surprised if they weren't making it, shooting it at this time next year or something like that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and if someone bought the rights to Sanderson, you're not letting that lapse. That's like stupid right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, if Sanderson can can do a, a crowdfunding for for, for books, to the he level can crowdfund he a movie. Wow.
2: I mean, yeah. yeah. How
0: much did he How much did he crowdfund for his books? I mean, how many millions?
3: <laughs> what was it like twenty million?
0: <laughs> you can crowdfund do an animated or do you know I don't know. It might be tough to do with twenty million for a big
2: budget movie, but. Like, right. I, do, I do agree with that, Anonymous. It could, unless it's really expensive, it could be terrible. But what if it's awesome? What Sorry, if they do million. give it the money? Yeah. Just just 40? Just, just, just 40.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Speaking of 40, Aaron had a comment. Uh, 40 is the new 30, 30 is the new 20. I totally agree. <laughs>
3: Crap, so I'm actually 40? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thirty is a new twenty. Okay, it keeps going yeah, down. Okay. Yeah, sure.
0: Keep, we're going, yeah, you know, going backwards. Uh, Austin, so I guess Anderson said that they're going to have a budget for this for his adaptations that he isn't worried about them
2: looking good.
3: But budgets do not make a good show.
2: No, that's that's true. Mm-hmm. They that's
3: help though. Oh, they certainly help, and I bet it will look spectacular even if it's the most garbage plate of a show. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully it's not. <laughs>
2: I mean nearly See, almost certainly the opposite street if it doesn't have enough budget ahead has no chance of being yeah. uh, looking good you know
6: yeah exactly. lo- I think a lot of the most famous shows started off not very like big or at least like I remember season one of Breaking Bad looked terrible <laughs> and then it became Breaking Bad and they finally started giving them money same with uh the bike show season uh, one of that show didn't look good
0: the sons, sons, of sons of anarchy
6: yeah sons of anarchy and then and show. then they get the budget to come afterwards right. and everything starts looking significantly better but the story drives like the, the people
0: yeah. yeah blow some stuff up too uh, and i'm gonna say yeah and the backstory of gentlemen bastards will catch up with the main story and then we have an arrow problem the flashbacks i'm guessing uh, Chadia, uh, what what are you all reading at the moment? What's everyone reading? Not all at once. <laughs>
2: uh, Hans, Hans Gilforster, yeah. <laughs>
3: so currently, I'm actually not reading anything. Uh, I, my, I mentioned earlier, my brother and his fiancées are coming up here to visit for a month and a half, and i just don't think i'll be able to consistently read while they're here in the way that i'd like so i'm not going to read anything until they leave but i'm super excited for them to leave because i'm going to jump into two series back-to-back i think that i'm super super happy about. And the first is the peter mclean series oh the priest of whatever i forgot There's what the the oh yeah Throne. Throne. yeah that's yeah. right And then the other one is uh, Robin Hobb's uh, Live Ship Traders series. So uh, I'm pretty excited to dive into those.
2: Wow. Uh, I've been been influenced at the moment. I'm reading Augustus by John Williams, courtesy of Alan. Uh, And it's uh, it's an interesting read, given that it's in letters format. The first hundred pages were... I wouldn't say I wasn't enjoying it, but it's dense. Like, it's super, super dense to the point that 20 pages, and you're like, Whew, I'm exhausted I'm <laughs> to pick it up. But actually, once you get over that kind of first 100 pages, and it's only about 300 pages long, the book's quite easy to read after that. So I'm nearly finished it, but that's it, it, good.
0: Those well, you are, are you, uh... always interesting. <laughs> well, you also, read, what you? What you read? I'm sorry, go ahead. i will go ahead, answer.
4: Oh, uh Austin in chat we have a live chat about it on Sunday, so I think we'll save the thoughts for sunday uh-huh.
0: oh for uh yeah for wall of storms yeah yeah hype yeah yes yes indeed what about you Katarina what are you uh what are you reading well, besides a thousandfold thought <laughs>
5: yeah uh yeah besides that I just started Invader, which is the second book in the Foreigner series by CJ Cherry. It's a sci fi. It's a sci fi series. It's um, I would I would call it like anthropological science fiction. There's a lot mm. of focus. It's like a first contact story where the a human ship crashes on a planet that's inhabited by this humanoid species. Um, and they're basically trying to, um, coexist and build some sort of relationships with the, with the civilization, with the native civilization. And so there's a lot of like, focus on like, um, cultural differences and, and there's a lot of politics, um, and a lot of like discussion about if you are a more technologically developed civilization should you share your technology with the less developed civilization um what are the consequences of doing that um i i mean i only read the first book just starting the second one so and it's a 2020 20 book series i think
7: oh, wow. um,
5: yeah. <laughs> so i um I, I mean i don't know how i don't know how much i can say about it at, at the point where i'm at but um so far it's it's it definitely <sighs> it's worth some int- interesting ideas um but it's a very it's a very slow it's a very slow series like you really like you learn a lot about the cultural norms and uh the physiology and the, the relationships between the different uh characters and factions um so it's not for everyone but if you're interested in in, in that um sub-genre of science fiction i think it's a pretty interesting series
0: that's a long series. Yeah,
4: there seems to be twenty-one books. Oh gosh! Oh
7: wow! <laughs> it
4: gets worse. And it doesn't seem to be the finished. The yeah, I think okay. it doesn't say the last book on book reads. Just wow. it says the twenty-first book.
5: Oh don't don't even tell me like it. I'm doing it. It's a it's a it's a buttery that we're doing. We read the first one in January or January like earlier this year. We're reading the second book now, so if, like at this at this tempo, like at this speed, we're like but we're decades. probably gonna are <laughs> gonna it'll take us at least ten years to finish.
3: Great, they'll only be on like forty three and not done. <laughs>
5: yeah. and I mean besides that, I, I was supposed to start Reaper Scale, but um, I postponed it. It was, it was too soon. Mm.
0: What about you, Thomas? What you you just finished uh, Rose... I forget I the name. I
1: just finished Bloody Rose, Bloody Rose, so I'm not reading anything else just yet. I was thinking about getting back into uh, Malazin, Malazin, Malazin whatever you, however you pronounce it, and joining you on the uh, group read, but I'm really bad about rereads when I have so many fucking books that I have to get to. <laughs>
7: so yeah, I think... Tough.
1: Next I'm gonna just finish reading my second book again and get this shit done. And then get back to uh Peter McLean series. I oh, think nice. uh I have to get to the third book. I have it. I just haven't started it yet. And I love the first two.
0: Yeah. Very easy reads. Yeah. What are you, Chris? What are you what are you reading?
2: Augustus is, is what I'm reading at the moment, and then I plan to make an early start in Game of Thrones, I think, um, in early December. Yeah. So we're ready for for our discussion around that time. Which nice. will be the first pickle of you read, and then everything else will be new after
0: that. Cool.
2: Daniel, what are you reading, other than A
0: uh, Thousand Fault Thought with us?
6: <laughs> Finishing that, I'm not reading anything else, currently. I'm trying to decide if I want to start on the wall of uh, Wall of Thorns, which is just it, intimidating, <laughs> or if I want to read the first book in the Long Price Quartet, which is like a baby Gosh. book,
0: yeah.
6: might be fun, or Beyond Redemption, one of the three, mm. I will be starting soon. Nice.
0: Yolene, what nice are you uh, What are you reading?
8: Um, I'm currently reading Fool's Quest, which is by Robin Hobb. It's um, the second book in the Fitz and the Fool trilogy, which is the last trilogy in the Realm of the Elderlings. So I read the first one, which is I I don't know the names, but I read it last week and normally I like to spread them out, but I just had to get into the second one as soon as possible. So I, I do think that I will finish the trilogy by the end of the year and I'm also a little bit afraid because there were definitely some moments I'm I'm listening to it on audiobook. So when I'm driving to work or from, or from work to home, and there were a couple of instances that I just had to stop listening because I was so afraid of what was going to happen. So (laughs) I, I think I I might be scarred for life depending on what, what happens to the main characters, but I, yeah, I, I have to push through.
0: Wow. And uh, Hans, you're reading Wall of Storms, right? We're about the, we're about the same. I think about 150 left. What do you have left? Um, about
4: 80 pages. Oh, nice. mm. It's it's in the middle of the night now, so I'll probably finish it tomorrow morning. But and after that, I'm not sure yet. I think I want to read a graphic novel of some kind.
2: Mm. Maybe Jew Jew is fun. Oh. I want to continue that. Mm.
7: Okay.
4: Do you know
2: that one yeah hmm. yeah i've issue one behind me i never went any further with it so yeah that's an interesting one it's like about a detective
4: who can hmm. ta- when he tastes food he can know the origin of the food so he uses it in um in crime scenes so he eats bits of humans to see how they were murdered it's a bit of a strange concept but it works really well
0: <laughs> And, uh, and John, you should start a book because it's a great way to get away from everyone. If you have house guests, <laughs> you say, oh, I'll have to get this reading done and you can like go out and then people leave you alone. So it's a, it's a great excuse to say, I really have to get this reading done.
3: OK, but so, uh, for what? <laughs> I
7: don't
3: know. Exactly.
0: Yeah,
3: no. that's OK, though, because uh, we I just got Frosthaven in the mail. So that's what we're going to be diving into. So it's it, 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 it's good.
0: Ashes uh, onward was a great original movie, definitely a lighter tone. I
4: uh,
0: agree. Mass Effect lost me at the ending of the third game. You yeah, a lot of people. I'm, I'm still pissed about it. The reaction for that actually turned me off on the whole series. I didn't want to
2: even bother.
3: Uh, it's really a great series. And the ending sucks, but
2: <laughs> is the ending of 2any better though? I don't know. The- Mass Effect 1 is a fabulous story, an okay game. Mass Effect 2 is a great game, okay story. And Mass Effect 3 is Mass Effect 2 reskinned um, with an ending.
3: Yeah, that's true. I just think that the gameplay and the characters are so good. Yeah. Um, and even the story to some points are great. And it's really, for Mass Effect though, it's the world that you're experiencing. And that's what's so like, spectacular about it.
0: Yeah. And uh, Aaron gave up on Rings of Power like you, Yuline, not a huge Tolkien fan. I couldn't get into it, was so into uh, Hot D at the time. So may come back to it once, uh, come down from that.
8: Yeah, I, I think that's also a big part of why Rings of Power struck me the wrong way even more, was because I was watching House of the Dragon at the same time. And I'm more a character-driven reader, and it's, it's the same for me with series and shows. And Rings of Power is just much more plot-driven, which is fine, but I just don't really like that most of the time.
0: And uh,
2: Charlie had a question.
0: Are you all non-Tolkien
2: fans? <laughs> it does feel a bit like a, like a support group at the moment. <laughs>
8: <laughs> I, don't, mm. I don't
2: mind Tolkien at all. I mean, they're quite, quite enjoy them, but the, I did, when I read it when I was about 14 or 15, mm-hmm. I did have a tendency to skip chapters or get halfway through a chapter and go, I think I can dump this chapter off. I don't need to, to get through... All of this, but let's get back to the story.
4: And as I mentioned in chat, I love talking and I love when authors do all these sorts of nonsensical side stories that don't end up mattering for the hmm. for the story. So I enjoyed Tom Bombadil that everyone hates,
7: for example.
2: <laughs> I, I was too young for Tom Bombadil. That's that. That's exactly the chapters the skipped. I just went, oh, what is this? <laughs> And
0: I anonymous has a question for uh, the two authors, Thomas and John. Uh, I got a question. Would you like to see your books adapted to TV or film?
3: I have a very controversial answer.
0: As you, we expect nothing less.
3: <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I would, and only for the check. I'm, I'm curious if they were like, here's you know, five million dollars for these rights. I'm gonna say awesome. And if you fuck it up, that sucks for you. <laughs> but I mean, I would love the money for an adaptation. So definitely HBO. Here's my number.
0: <laughs> what about you, Thomas?
1: Yeah, I've been doing manual labor my whole life. Fuck it. Give me the money. <laughs> I'm tired, man. <laughs>
2: Here's here's the question, what would be in your stipulations of things that they must do as part of, you know, your your input, you know, the kind of right, there must be a number of deaths of animals per episode or something for John, you know, that's the minimum minimum count.
7: Honestly, they
3: could turn mine into the thing I would hate the most, which is like a super normal epic fantasy anime, because I don't really like anime myself and I don't like the bland. Well, I, I find it bland. Uh, I'm not saying all epic fantasy is bland. I just find, like, normal... That's not what like, I heard. Normal <laughs> fantasy kind of bland. Uh, man, I'm just making enemies left and right tonight. Uh, <laughs> just remember, everyone, these are my opinions, not anyone else's, and uh, we can still be friends.
7: <laughs> oh, no, I do.
3: Um, so, yeah, they could butcher it as much as they wanted, and I would still be happy because I got paid. And I know that's, like, the opposite of most creative driven decisions that a lot of authors make but i'm selfish and i don't care (laughs) (laughs) i just want enough money to like you know live the rest of my life happily and if that's going to be from a crappy adaptation i'll take it Hmm. even better if it's a spectacular adaptation obviously but
6: It'll, I it'll if probably it, get yeah. stuck in development, and you don't even have to worry about it.
1: No one will ever see it, and you'll yeah, get the that's money. right.
3: And you still get the money. That's the, that's, yeah, the that's
1: <laughs> wait, You still get the money in that situation. That's perfect.
3: Yeah, they give you the money as soon as they want to uh, yeah. have the rights, and half the time it doesn't even get made. So honestly, mm-hmm. if that doesn't but happen,
1: you get paid, and it doesn't happen.
3: Yeah, and then <laughs> you can sell them again once the uh, rights lapse. I think. <laughs>
7: Although okay. I think it's really hard to do.
2: Can you imagine the compilation videos of all your hot takes though? If if you know you're out taking it right, <laughs> we might have
0: to do a compilation video of all the, all the John's hot takes. This
3: is mad because a lot of my hot takes come out sounding way more harsh than I maybe intend them to. Uh, but it's just the way I speak. I'm kind of an all or nothing type person, and uh, "oops" is what I'll say. <laughs>
0: Uh, Jeremiah uh, mentions it's okay people are into different things I have accepted the fact that I'm no longer the target audience for pretty much anything these days the world moves on that's fair
3: yeah I think that I think that nowadays uh, the culture has gotten really bad with like if you don't like this then I don't like you or if you like this Mm. then I don't like you Uh, you see it in video games a lot uh sports you know politics whatever and i hate that i just think that like we should be more tolerant of everyone's preferences and likes and opinions and as long as they're respectful about it i think we should be you know perfectly happy you know i think liking different things is awesome that's what makes us uh different
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh, Austin mentions, Hans, you definitely need to read The Hobbit. It's fantastic. The Semarillion is challenging, but well worth it if you can enjoy it. It uh, gave me a great a- appreciation and understanding of the world, and it's so epic.
4: Oh, that's new, Will. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, his, uh, wow, Sanderson's... that's uh comment. For, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to catch up. I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> Between all the hot takes, it's hard for me to keep up with that. <laughs> yeah i apologize guys (laughs) i'm i'm uh i'm offended jeremiah and everyone over 30 is a boomer (laughs) Uh, oh yeah this is another yeah i'm I'm catching up everybody um wall of storms in a nutshell is great in a nutshell Uh, Aaron is doing a reread of Assassin's Apprentice, hoping I'll stick with it, at least for the first trilogy. Don't think I was ready for it as a reader on the first go. Uh, Covers with Cassidy, currently reading Burning and Blade and and Silver Eye arc for book three. Hmm. Uh, CZ Cherry is a very underrated author. Uh, I just Mm -hmm. finished Daughter of the Forest. <laughs> Some friends are starting Malazan and a read along soon. Excited. I made this comment on the forum uh, about all these new. Uh, every, I get, and I, I mean, I don't mean this in a bad way. I just mean, I, I think there's a lot of read alongs from Malazan. And I think, um, like with our group, we had a, a big group to start out with and we all just kind of fell off. And even I was like, <laughs> I can't do this. I need a break. So it's. I think it's kind of fun to see everyone start this read along from Malazan because they're. Um, they're, they can be challenging, so especially in the first read. So I, I'm excited to see how those turn out.
8: It's, it's difficult, I think, because Malazan is one of those series where it's definitely beneficial to discuss it with other people. Yeah. So in that sense, a group read or a read-along is perfect. But at the same time, it's one of those that you have to do at your own pace. So it's difficult to have a schedule that works for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, we had planned a book a month, and there's no way. No. <laughs> there's no way I'm reading we're reading a book within the book now we're reading House of Chains and we're taking about three weeks for each book in the book and there's four books in House of Chains mm. and even that is a challenge So, but I'm excited to see how the read-alongs go, it's it's exciting to see everyone else's take on it because it's it's quite the, quite the read
2: a book a month always seems manageable until you realize that it's the start of the next month and uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I've only just finished you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
8: exactly. There's yeah, some books that are
5: easy
2: too, but yeah.
5: I don't think I've been able to finish a single Molassin book within a month, and I was, and I wasn't even reading anything else; I was just reading Malazan, yeah. and it keep, it gets worse book after book. <laughs> it's just like it just keep getting longer, and less good.
3: I, <laughs> I uh, I read the first book. I have a really bad history. With oh yeah, streams. yeah,
0: you, 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 yeah. You've read it a couple of times. You, but you bought the you bought. The I copies, bought the so.
3: first book. Yeah, I bought. The, I think I told you this off-stream, mm-hmm. Maybe, let's just put it out there. <laughs> I read. Third the first time lucky. Book. Yeah, I read the first <laughs> book. Well, no, I didn't read the first book. I bought the first book. I read. I don't know, 200 pages and threw it away. And then I (laughs) bought it again and read part of it and DNF'd it and didn't throw it away. And then I saw on Facebook everyone talking about how amazing it was again. And I said, damn it, I'm finishing this book. And I, in anticipation of it being amazing, I bought Dead House Gates. And I forced myself to finish the first book. And I finished it and i said i didn't understand a damn thing in it and i th- don't know where those two copies are now i think i threw them away <laughs> <laughs> i don't really know i think i donated them i didn't actually throw them away uh but i don't think i own them anymore
0: hmm.
3: it's just too too much for me
0: mm. i actually yeah, really I- like Deadhouse gates but
3: I didn't even try it. I finished the first book, and I was like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> I wanted to like it. And Erickson, let's not get this wrong. Erickson is an amazing writer, you can tell. Uh, but I didn't comprehend anything that happened. So I really think it was more of a me problem than an Erickson problem. Uh, just too many undefined terms. Or, or they were defined, like, once or loosely. And I'm one of those people that needs, like uh reassurance or a little bit of repetitive references in a book before i kind of grasp uh the terms if there's that many and i am also not someone who's going to flip to the back of the book and check the uh references back there because i find that annoying and also half the time you back there you end up on one of the last chapters and spoil yourself or something (laughs) Mm. So,
0: are you going to continue reading yulene are you going to read house of chains (laughs)
8: i don't know <laughs> i'm still uh, <laughs> halfway through memories of ice and i think at this point i need to start over if i want to remember anything so even though i liked this series more or less i have too many other books on my shelves that i think i will like more i think that malazan is one of those series that i picked up because everybody told me how awesome it was and if you continue reading, it's definitely worth your efforts. But if nobody else was reading it and I picked up Gardens of the Moon, I don't think I would have continued. So it's it's one of those cases where there are too many amazing books and I need to make sacrifices. So it's it's on my TBR, but I don't know if it will ever get read.
0: That's fair. So what about you, Hans? Have you tried Malazan?
6: No, I'm doing uh really awesome.
4: No, you're your up. yeah you're coming in muffled yeah, it, and it's dense oh sorry I'm not playing to ever I think <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like a history book to me in its density and there's like hundreds of books I could be reading so I'm just going to read other things that interest me and way more
2: I think, I think it'd be a quite interesting video series to kind of watch live streams of people doing read-alongs having not read the book, and then try and discern your own take on what the book is from, from those read-alongs.
0: Yeah, it's really. I think it's really important to have someone who has read the series before mm-hmm. to help you along, because it's 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 tough to uh, to keep up. Uh, but Hannah said, Oh, I vote Wall of Storms. So I read Grace of Kings and really enjoyed it." yes uh if you liked grace of kings you're gonna love wall of storms it's
4: it's only better much better
8: it's funny i i actually buddy right uh wall of storms by somebody who together with someone who loved grace of kings and he dnf'd wall of storms and i don't understand because wall of storms is just 10 times better and i didn't know that that was possible because i i already really enjoyed grace of kings
4: yeah, well, it's the story is very different from the first one, so mm-hmm. that's turned some off. I can understand, but I agree, it's it's
0: it's. Better. Uh, Austin is excited for the Song of Ice and Fire uh, reread going to start early because I'm a slow reader. Glad you're gonna. Hopefully, you're reading with us.
2: That's my feeling as well, Austin. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Uh, Eric is uh, rereading some Black Company for a break after Unholy Consult. If you're rereading, uh, if you need a break from Unholy Consult and go to Black Company, that's uh, yeah, pretty heavy stuff. How's it going? Hey, how are you? Good. How are
9: you doing? I'm good. Thanks um, for uh, coming on. Thank you, thank you. My my, I had to put my son down, and that just took. Way too long. He usually does. Yeah. I see John like. <laughs> I, I,
3: I, I just thought the, know, the, I just thought the been phrase been. was
6: immense.
3: Not <laughs> good. I, I shut down. I was like,
2: oh. He was, he was thinking euthanasia. Dark, 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 dark. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's
7: the like grim dark nature.
9: <laughs> you can't trust the grim dark author. Can't you really can't, Steve, Steve? There might be a button in
4: the chat later.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry,
4: there might be a button in the chat. Oh, okay, let me scroll down.
0: down. Uh, talking, about I'm not well, sure, I'll but it's that. yeah, I got it. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to catch Ten up. Grand.
3: But... That is so cheap, my dude. <laughs> 10 million, maybe. Go for that. Yeesh. you can You can
9: get more than 10 grand.
0: Uh, nc you want to give us an an introduction let us know you and uh, about you and your work
9: yeah hi i'm nc i'm australian as you might be able to guess from my accent um i write about complicated people with that can transform into monsters um transform into werewolves and yeah i'm having a good time so far Uh, my debut novel came out on the 16th of september so the Sword of Mercy and Wrath. Um, I have a novella as well, and the sequel to The Sword of Mercy and Wrath will be coming out next year, hopefully. Nice. Oh, so, that's. I'll, go ahead. Oh, sorry,
3: I was just going to say that before I start reading the uh, Hob and McLean series, I forgot I'm supposed to read his. Uh, <laughs> I have it. Oh, here's the
2: ghost.
3: I have it right here. Ah, uh, there we go. I want it in a giveaway on Twitter.
2: I thought you had this all planned. <laughs>
3: no, I have my TBR list like uh, that way. It's like this huge stack of books, and this is right on top because it's yeah. short.
9: <laughs> oh, quite short, fast paced. I would say.
0: Yes. Thanks for making it. All right. yeah. That's cool. Uh, we were just talking about, uh, about Malazan and uh, <laughs> the Land dynasty. Have you read uh, Malazan, NC?
9: No. Um, I've read Deadhouse Gates um, a few times. It's probably my favorite novel. Well, like one of my favorite novels. But I tried reading the rest of them and I was like, because I read it out of order. I didn't realize there was an order to them and this was like oh you know 15 years ago and i was like this story is really cool and then i tried going back <laughs> and reading the garden the moon and i'm like what's going on then I, I was like i'm too confused now <laughs> but um yeah it's one of those things like i do mean to read the entire series but who has time it's i a it's right someone said before cuz i was kind of chilling in the oh cool i was kind of chilling in the chat before while i was you know trying to put my son down and it's like uh, you need to reread it almost to like you need to read it once to have the basis to understand and then read it again so that you can actually understand the what the fuck's going on <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's one of those huge commitments that I don't really have time for anymore, but, yeah.
3: Actually, that makes me uh, have a question for everyone, then. I'm a person who actually really hates rereading. Uh, is everyone else in here basically good with rereading? I just, I don't like to. Uh, I've reread Harry Potter a few times, but I think for the most part I'm just not into rereading
2: I like the idea of rereading
7: yeah <laughs> but <laughs> I can't idea. read
2: the book I can't, I can't read the books that I already have so like where does it go in like I think of some of my favorite in my head what my favorite books are if you ask me to tell me what's great about them I have long since that, that long gone from my memory so the idea of rereading that is like yeah I I want to know why I love this book but at the same stage I'm like but just this part of the side bad is, is is enormous
0: hmm. what are you uh Yulian, do you like to reread
8: i used to when i was younger because i had to if, if you only have a couple of books and yes. you get through them <laughs> you need to reread at this point like chris said i have so many books on my tbr that only the absolute best get a reread and then enough time needs to have passed like now i am going to reread the song of ice and fire but it's one of those series that i say is my favorite series of all time and it's been 10 years so it's time but i and that realm of the other i am going to reread straight away <laughs> hmm. but i'm not going to do that just for every book that i think is good
0: uh, daniel other than prince of nothing do you like to reread
8: <laughs>
6: yes just goes back to books that m- make me think about things, books that make me like ask questions of my own life. Hmm. I think books like those are rereadable. whereas like a book, I'm gonna say I probably wouldn't reread uh, any of the Song of Ice and Fire books because I
7: basically
6: know everything that happens. And it didn't make me ask questions. But I guess, again, if it takes him 15 years to finish the series, maybe I will have to reread them all just to remember <laughs> what happened. But generally, I won't reread something that I think is easy. If that mm. makes sense. Like a casual read. Haruki Murakami. I'll never reread a Haruki Murakami book. <laughs>
0: What about you, Katarina? Do you like to reread other than Prince of Nothing?
5: <laughs> I mean, in theory, yes. But there are so many books on my TBR that it, it, it feels like the new books just get higher priority over the rereads. Um, but having said that, rereading The Prince of Nothing has been amazing. And I do generally find rereads good in that I mean I guess it also related to just you know if if you read a book at a certain age and then you read it 10, ten years later just the way you think about the world and yourself and how you relate to characters and themes just changes so I, I do enjoy rereads I just don't have the time for them most of the time it's usually a read-along or you know if someone asks me to reread with them then I'll do it okay. but I try to priority on, on books I have not read yet because there are so many.
0: Yeah. Well you Hans you like to reread?
4: Um actually yes. Um I used to do it a lot as a kid so similar to Yelene. You only have a few books so you reread a lot. Um I don't do it as often in the last couple of years but I really enjoy rereading, especially the shorter children's books that only take one or two days to read. Just because reading is fun for me and reading doesn't always have to be new. It just has the same with rewatching a movie. Sometimes you just want the same comfort of comfort reading. Uh,
0: Chris?
2: Uh, yeah, um, like I said, I love to do rereads. I love, I love doing a reread and doing something with it. Like rereading as part of a group read and then getting other people's opinions about it. Is awesome because sometimes you read something and you talk to somebody and you go, "I'm really dumb. I got none of this out, out of this <laughs> the, the previous read of this of a book that I quite liked." And now I'm like, "Oh no, I really like it!" Or somebody adds another layer to it. It's it's really fun. Hmm.
0: What about you, Thomas? Do you like to reread?
1: I like the idea of it, but <laughs> yeah, same as other people. There's so many new books that I want to read. That I have a hard time going back to something I've already read because I already know what happened, and there's so many other things I'm looking forward to. Every once in a while, if it's like an audiobook I've listened to when I'm at work, I'll toss it back on, listen to a few chapters, but then I'll always end up moving on
9: to something new.
0: Uh, and see what about you? Do you like to reread?
9: Yeah, I think I was the same as Julian and Hans, like. I when I was a kid I had Harry Potter and that was it and I was just like I just had those on repeat for about I don't know five or six years and then but the, yeah recently I've just had no time but I think if I was to reread something it would be probably the Stormlight archive mm. um just because like there is so much to explore um and dive into and, like the different you know the whole world has all these little secrets that if you pay attention I think it didn't really pay off and yeah I think it goes back to that like if I think it was Daniel that said that um that if there's something to find something to explore then definitely I'll have another read of it but yeah and the rewards that that paying attention yeah yeah
0: And you missed the last question but what are you reading now
9: um i am reading and actually an arc by kian i think it's oh yeah Mm -hmm. um 11th cycle um it's fantastic i cannot state that enough like it's really good um i'm also reading um an arc from thomas howard riley the monsters we feed as well Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's I've just started that, but that's already brilliant. Like I read the first bit of um like this We Break Immortals and that's yeah yeah, that's great as well. Um and it carries that same voice. It's a little different, I think, from what people have said, but I'm excited to get into it.
0: We break immortals is chunky. <laughs> but, yeah. It is, I have it right there. <laughs> yeah. It's on. it's waiting to be read, I think.
2: <laughs> 11 cycles chunky as well it's a massive book as well yeah yeah, yeah. Like 500 i think yep 173 yeah
0: oh, 873 yeah. yeah welcome back hans we can't hear you again. <laughs> Link fast if you need help. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Microphone. Yeah, Yeah, if you can, you're coming in muffled. Hmm? You're coming in muffled if you can hear us. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I said my internet is fading, so. Oh. Oh.
7: Cool.
4: I'll just say goodbye.
0: Oh, okay. Thanks, Hans. Thanks for coming by. Take take care, Hans.
2: Take
4: care.
7: (laughs)
0: Uh, also mentions, I like to reread books. I love, but I rarely do, and would rather read new books. So that's kind of a uh, pretty big pop- popular opinion. Uh, Aaron's not a big rereader unless it's been too long. I want to keep up with the series. Mm. And Eric brings up a good point. Uh, they're good for a mental reset to get over a slump. Yeah.
3: That's funny because I think that would have the opposite effect on me.
0: Hmm.
3: I think that would put me more in a slump.
0: Really? Yeah,
3: because I don't get that much enjoyment from rereading. I find it more tedious and like work-inducing, I guess, because I know everything that's going to happen. There's no surprise, and that that really bores me. So I think it would, I think that would really like make it harder for me if I was already in a slump. <laughs> if like I think when the Winds of Winter comes out, or the next uh, book by Patrick Rothfuss. I'll probably reread the fifth book in Game of Thrones and and I'll probably reread both of Rothbus's books but um, other than that I I don't know the idea of rereading just like fries my brain
8: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if everybody rereads the same but for me it's more skim reading and just waiting until I have my favorite parts and then I do reread those (laughs) but i don't read everything as i would on a first time. i think that makes sense.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: i think i'm the opposite or i mean i have not reread many books recently but at least with the prince of nothing read along i find myself because i already know the story i don't really pay attention to it that much but i focus more on the details like the themes or the world building things that i didn't necessarily pick up on when i read the the first time. So usually I think rereads would probably take me longer to get through because I'm focusing on all the other things besides the plot and the the twists.
9: Yeah, I was going to say like ever since I started writing, um, I've reread some of the, like even the Stormlight stuff and it's been interesting to try and reflect on like how the writer um, constructs the sentence or constructs the, the paragraph and really dive into that sort of aspect of things and that's been interesting to reread my favorite books and go okay that's actually how they did that Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's relevant for the guys that don't write but maybe I don't know sort of yeah it's an interesting reflection that I've had recently
2: I, I like that idea and see because when you rewatch something, see that that's the comment there, you, I, I'm one of those people that's fascinated by how somebody goes about constructing a story. You know how far out does a a major event get foretold or foreshadowed or something like that. So actually, how do you insert that in, and whether it's obvious that was planned from the start or not? Yeah, I think that's stuff yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh Yeah. Do does everyone else rewatch TV shows or movies?
3: I typically don't be for the same reasons of books i find it really boring but i did rewatch lost and hate the ending a bit less
7: Ooh. so hmm. i still I, hate I the ending it.
3: <laughs> oh really i hated it less <laughs> i still didn't like it but uh yeah. i thought it made a little bit more sense <laughs>
0: I actually didn't mind the ending. I mean it, they backed themselves into a lot of corners.
7: Yeah. So Get out, out of this it's, chat, it's a, Steve. Yeah. It was, it was
2: uh, I'm a Steve. I had when I went into the last episode of Lost, I had no concept that they possibly could end that series well. I just thought they had no way out of it. So the fact that there was an ending and it was like, eh, okay.
3: I think that all of the last season made it pretty obvious they had no idea what they were doing. So what they like, did, yeah. When I was watched I watched that the last few seasons, like as they aired and season six started and it was just like immediately like oh no they don't know what they're mm-hmm. doing and every episode it was just kind of like more and more obvious that it was not going to end well and then it didn't
0: well i, I think what happened, what probably happen i don't know for sure but they probably had an idea for a story and then once it was successful the network said okay take these five seasons worth of material and make it into nine and they're like okay we have to fill in seasons and seasons of stuff so they just come. There is a few seasons. There was a few episodes and seasons in there that were just filler. They just didn't add a whole lot, and they backed themselves into more corners with this filler that they added in. So it's just uh,
2: Dimlindlov said that's exactly what happened. In fact, there's a couple of episodes throughout some of the series of shows that they all like hit watched. Even as they were being aired, <laughs> they were like, "Oh my god, did we actually put time and effort into producing this? Because <laughs> it's dreadful."
3: That. <laughs> The first three seasons of that show are the some of the best tv show stuff ever made and then after that it was like you could tell they like lost it
2: it, it, it was the hero's problem in a lot of ways that you were talking about earlier on john you know and what i said about world building every episode of lost seemed to give you another bit of world building to say actually what you thought were the confines or the rules of this world are no longer true so actually your brain expands at a certain point they put that much stuff on that you realize actually nothing matters anymore because it's just nonsense at this stage it's just there's no rules about time there's no rules about place there's no rules. About, so actually you, you've lost me at a certain extent
3: i think you're right they just started adding in way too much <laughs>
2: yeah did
0: you
9: the rest of you watch lost i did I saw- first couple seasons and that was it
8: same
9: good move yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <was like> <laughs> nothing I don't know I
5: I did finish it but I remember almost nothing that happened <laughs> <I'm> just,
8: <laughs>
5: I, I mean All I, I do vaguely remember the ending but the stuff in between between I I don't
7: yeah.
9: All I remember was is that they never paid off the smoke monster. And that just annoyed the shit out of me. I was like, what is this smoke monster? Why are they? Like, I was so invested into finding out what the hell this thing was. And then they never showed it and never told, mm-hmm. told us what the truth was. And I was just like, what?
2: Falnards, they didn't Lost. resolve anything. Any of the big questions were just kind of... They just added more questions on top so that you kind of forgot about the questions previously. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> they moved the way towards they like, a
3: lot of religious answers, which didn't fit the show, I, yeah. I
6: don't think, anyway.
0: What about you, Daniel? Did you see Lost?
6: A little bit of it. I barely remember it. Yeah. I strongly got disappointed in like really fast just how little payoff every mystical thing had before they were moving on to the next mystical thing
7: yeah that's
3: fair yeah
0: and austin mentions uh and so you definitely read things differently when you're a writer i wonder for thomas and john do you wish you could turn off that part of your brain that you look for things when you read that you just want to enjoy it and not break it down and uh, kind of dissect (laughs) <laughs>
3: um yep. so hot, hot
0: taking coming, here we go <laughs> uh
3: i know a lot of authors say that they read differently and i i believe them i just don't know how much it has changed my reading like even before i wrote i still noticed uh spelling or grammatical errors I still noticed uh, issues with you know whatever whatever. I could still tell a book was bad if it was bad um, I think that as a writer I just learned the terminology for a lot of the different things and that's maybe the only thing that really changed maybe I'm a little bit more critical but I think overall I, I don't think that I really read like super differently than I did before
0: Hmm. well you thomas you, you think it's differently different for you now
1: about the same like every once in a while i'll come across a line where i'm just like ah that just sounds wrong but i think that was before i wrote too and i I'm, I'm never going to claim to be a great writer like i write i enjoy it but yeah it's i think it's the same extent of like anyone that reads might be like, Oh, that line just doesn't sound right right there. Like mm-hmm. I don't really think it made a difference when I started writing. Mm-hmm. Like and still like try to just enjoy a book.
0: <laughs> what about UNC? Do you do you find yourself looking deeper into things you read now that you're you're an author?
9: Yeah. Um I think I'm the complete opposite to John, like I know that <laughs> way more now and it's almost I, I had to really reassess like what I wanted to get out of reading because it became like I couldn't enjoy something I was constantly nitpicking oh I would have done that differently oh you know there's a little this this sounds wrong I know why it's wrong I sh- they should have done it this way and I was just constantly picking and then this was like you know when I was just started writing probably about three years ago and uh, then now I'm like I'm just gonna read it and try and block off that part of my brain that just wants to critique the shit out of it and uh, I yeah I have to I've actually gone through two phases so I I read for fun and I read for critiquing and it wasn't enjoyable at all and now I'm back to reading for fun mostly God
2: (laughs) hopefully fingers crossed it stays that way (laughs) I think that's interesting because that's some of the thoughts that i have about when you're reading that again you make a conscious choice to actually decide whether you're going to rip a thing apart and think about the things that you don't like at it rather than just kind of appreciating the stuff that you do like you know as you go through a book and go actually i really like this part and just hold on to that rather than kind of worry about oh god but paragraphs are too short or there's too much dialogue or whatever else the other things that could annoy you would be
1: Don't want to interrupt, but I think I got to hit the road.
0: Cool, Thomas. Thanks for hanging out. Stay warm. Thank you
1: so much for having me and congratulations on 50 episodes. That's awesome. It was nice meeting y'all. And hopefully we'll chat again sometime.
0: Cool. Yeah. Take it easy, Thomas. Thank you. Bye, Thomas. Lots of uh, comparisons to Lost with Heroes. Uh, Aaron says yes. Heroes and Lost did have the same problem. Started epic, dwindled. Shows a benefit in recent years from being shorter. Shorter seasons, overall runs. Mm. Uh, Dark comes to mind. That's the first thing in... came to my
2: head as well. Yeah. And the, their new stories, their new series just released yesterday, 1899. So this, the writers of Dark's new series, 1899, just released yesterday on Netflix.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'll be watching that tonight. And uh, so I was curious, is it is it common? Because um, Katarina and Yolene both know several languages. So I wonder if that's common for for those of you uh, in those countries to know more than one language. Because I'm, I'm always in awe of both of you, how many languages you can speak.
8: Well, I can speak two, which is not that much. I, <laughs> I speak... More than any, yeah. <laughs> I speak Dutch and then well, English possibly. but we have three official languages in Belgium. So French and German, besides Dutch, and I don't speak a word, which is a little bit humiliating, because you, you are supposed to speak all three.
5: Um, I think it kind of depends. So in, in the Czech Republic, we only have one official language, which is Czech which is my native native language. Um, But I think everyone has to learn English at school. So in theory, everyone should be able to speak English. It's not always the case. You know, it depends on the teacher. It depends on like your social background. But I think nowadays, since like most kids, They have access to Netflix. They have access to YouTube. Like all the songs, all the films are in English or like made in the U.S. or in the U.K. Um, It's just a lot easier for for young people to to learn English these days. Um, And then I think in most schools you also have to learn, you have to study a second language, which um, you know I did I did eight years of German in high school, and I'm still not fluent. And I. Like my school was supposedly very good at teaching languages. So I can't imagine how it was for uh, how it is for other kids. Um, I think generally people are. like they're able to converse in English, at least at the basic level. The second language. I would say less, it's less likely, Um, but it depends on the school, like it really varies.
9: I have a question then. Do you, when you're reading English books or books written in English, do you have that internal monologue translating or do you read in English as well? Like if you have that internal monologue as you're reading the words on the page, is it English as well or?
5: I would say at this point, I'm just reading in English like there are even like words a lot of words that i don't know the translation of but like i i sort like i can like deduce from context what they approximately mean but i would not be able to translate them um i don't think it used to be that way i do i mean i do remember like the first book i read in english was i think like it was the fourth book in the vampire diaries something like that uh, and I remember I, I read it and I had to translate like every third word because I just I didn't understand, like I didn't have the vocabulary, but it, like English has become so natural for me at this point that I'm just like, I'm just like, of course, I'm not as fluent as a native speaker. There are a lot of words I don't know. There are some phrases I don't know. And like sometimes I do use a dictionary, but um, I, I do. I would say I read in English like I don't need to translate first to be able to read a text in English.
8: Mm. Yeah, f- for me, it's the same. I only read in English. I think that in my country at at the very least, my our own language is not really popular in media. Like if you have songs and it's in Dutch, it's for old people and it's, it's, it's really not cool. So everything media related shows everything is is in English. So at this mm. point, if I pick up a book in Dutch, It feels a little bit silly when i read it which is not fair to the book i suppose but yeah
2: but i think it is a very european thing to be multilingual except if you're from the uk like myself who's done six years of french i can barely speak anything uh in regards to that like i have a lot of friends and people like who are romanian living in belgium but speak english better than i do you know that's that's definitely a quite common thing i think
3: Europe mm-hmm. has so many smaller countries where you're mm-hmm. constantly crossing borders, though. That like, I can see why you'd want to be able to talk, like, other or speak other languages. Like in the U.S., it's so huge, and we all speak English. There's no incentive for any of us to actually know another language, really, unless you live uh, kind of on near where like Mexico is and you have like a lot of uh immigrants maybe other than that you don't really have the like populations of other languages to I don't want to say care but like there's no need there's no even if I knew Spanish or French and I took both in high school and did miserable with both of them. It's not like there's anywhere I could actually employ those uh, with any, like, regularity. There's just... I don't know anyone that speaks either of those languages fluently, and it's... It could have come in handy when I worked at Burger King, because every once in a while, we'd get, like, a bus of uh, uh, traveling uh, Mexicans, so... And they didn't speak English at all, and that's that. That was a little hard, um, but otherwise, I mean, it's just never useful to know. I guess mm-hmm. you know, it's, if I was traveling to a, another country, then maybe I guess it's useful. But it's really hard to learn a language, maintain your knowledge on it, and then use it for like a visit to Spain like if you're not using it more regularly i feel mm-hmm. like but i'm also yeah. really simple when it comes to languages i'm an idiot so i i can't learn i've tried i tried i failed french i did awful with that i i did really well with spanish early on and then failed that when it got harder so like it's just learning languages is not my thing everyone conform to english please <laughs>
8: But I, I think it's also much easier to learn English if it's not your native language, than learn a different language if English is your native language, because everything in media and is, is so oriented towards English. I had six hours of French in high school and only two hours of English. But I can speak English much better because I oh, learned wow. it from TV. And yeah. now we're talking here, it's, it's an international chat. Everybody is speaking English, so right. it makes sense to learn that and to in, instead of learning a different language, I, I have, suppose.
3: I have a question for you and uh, Katarina. Then, um, do you do you think that uh, my perception is that uh, it's increasingly, I don't want to say important or necessary, but useful, uh, maybe, for people to be, with the globalization of like technology and stuff, uh, that English has becoming like more and more important maybe or useful i mean i don't think it's necessary but it just seems like it's uh kind of become almost the like kind of like the universal language when it comes to uh like bringing people together um in a way that's maybe not harmonious but kind of what's happening anyway uh do you guys think that knowing english is like super beneficial?
8: I, I think so. Yeah, I, I've always been a strong believer that it's better to just learn one language that everybody can understand. I know that in, in Belgium, I think that's a couple of years ago, and I don't know how far that plan went, but they were trying to in, in kindergarten have a second language and they were deciding between English or Chinese because a lot oh. of people on a global scale speak Chinese, but it's all centered Uh in China. So it didn't really make sense to me because I I suppose that English is more scattered around the world, and I think that that would be easier. But I also think that, like for me, I learn it through media because we don't dub our TV shows. It's in English with subtitles, while in other European countries where they do dub it, where somebody is, is speaking in French over the original actor, for example, they can speak English much less, or, or at, at least that, that's how I perceive it. So I would try to teach it that way, instead of in schools. But that's maybe just because a school setting for me, it didn't work. They tried to make you write it perfectly, where I'm more like, try to let people speak it, at, at least at a passable level, before you try to teach them to write essays in that language.
9: Hmm. I think the, the example you use there, the French not speaking English very well is kind of a bad example because every French person I've ever met is excessively proud of being French. Like They, <laughs> they, they only want to speak French and they just refuse to learn English. <laughs>
8: That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> As my country speaks French and it's true.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I would definitely agree with that assessment. Um, and I think you don't even have to travel to English-speaking countries. I think as Europeans, like if if I were to travel anywhere in Europe, or if I were to like meet people like people of the same age as I am, we would most like 95 percent chance that we would end up speaking English because that's the language that everyone's going to know. Um, and I, I mean, it makes sense. Like there just like there are not not many people that speak Czech or Lithuanian or even like Polish, even though that's yeah. a big country um at least in european terms um <laughs> but i mean also like it, it comes in waves like my parents generation like for them the 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 most convenient language to learn was russian because they were part of the the soviet bloc and all the country they could travel to all the, everyone everyone was um taught russian there so i don't know it, it's it's just a natural it's just a natural thing um and english just organically become this this global language and and I mean, it's old, like, as you said, Yolene, like, it's it's dominant in, in culture, in media. Like, most, like, a lot of the internet is written in English. Um, and when I, like, when I search for, um, when I search for news, when I search for, I don't know, work-related stuff, I usually search in English because I know that's where I'm going to get most results.
3: Well, it helps that we are the ones that, like, you know, created that, right? So I think that it just had the base in, english when when we're talking about the internet but also uh the boom of hollywood it's kind of like they because they're well just because the english versions of them are so prominent i think maybe that's why it's just so like infused everywhere i don't know Hmm. Uh,
0: what about unc do people speak different languages there
9: no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like Australians only speak Australian, they, they won't speak <laughs> anything. Else. Um, like I don't even have that strong of an accent compared to some people. Um, if you go like you know 50k's outside of 25 miles, whatever you want to, whatever you crazy imperial users use, <laughs> like. What is it? Three 3,000 and something yards to a mile? Some ridiculous... Who knows? Middle, I don't or know like 5,000 feet to a mile? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Anyway.
3: I'm already <laughs> That's why it makes sense. We just use the mile part. <laughs>
9: uh, yeah. Um, yeah, if you go any distance outside of the city you've got basically two accents. So, like, you've got a city accent and a country accent. Um, And I've got a very city accent. But um, as I grew up in the city. But uh, English and then you've got little pockets, like, in sort of immigrant communities that do speak their own language. Mm -hmm. Like, they're very insular. Um, Like, places um, in Western Sydney. I don't know if you guys know Sydney as a sort of a cultural... Thing. um it's like our uh, unofficial capital city but there's a place um west of there the name is blanking like blacktown or something but it's um full of uh Saudi immigrants and they all speak Arabic just like you walk down the street and just Arabic everywhere no English and it's just really interesting to see those little pockets like as you walk down the street um but yeah pretty much one official language is the queen's english or the king's english
2: now yeah. yeah yeah. i think it'd be interesting to compare because obviously you as you said the rise in the use of media especially for using english be different like i was, I was trying to think it's about 20 years ago i was in prague and a lot of people spoke english to an understandable level without it really conversing even in a touristy part and i imagine that has changed quite a lot since in the 20 years since i've been there um it, it would be a bit, bit better level of english even if i if i went across because um i remember just trying to get salt to mcdonald's it was it was a struggle <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> i i would have i mean i i don't I, I would imagine I would imagine it has changed um, yeah. and especially in Prague, which I think is also like yeah. becoming a lot more international there. Yeah. Um, I don't I mean, I do have expat expat friends who like they don't know any check and they get around very easily. Like I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes recorded, like when you're dealing with the authorities, they might require you to um, have some documents and check things like that. Yeah. But in general, I think uh, when it comes to like staff and stores or whatever, um, they're usually like their English is at, le- at least good enough to provide the service that you yeah. would expect of them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think Spectre has a good point. Uh, for Spanish, I picked up basic phrases you say to people every day. Hello, good morning. Thank you. How are you? Good. Fine. That kind. Right. Of, I think it's useful. Uh, Daniel, do you think uh, it's useful to have like for Spanish since you're, we're kind of in the same area? Yeah,
6: but it's hard to learn for me unless... It's like an immersion thing. If you dropped me off in Mexico and I had I had to talk to them that way, I would sit there till I learned, right? But here, since America like exports culture, that's like our only export. Which, along with that, goes <laughs> our language. Uh, <laughs> I think that like. English people don't have the need to learn a language, like hardly at all. So we're much Mm -hmm. less likely to to know a second language. Mm -hmm. And like I said, if you want to know what a meme means, like 99% of memes are in English, and they like run the internet now. So I can imagine little seven-year-olds all around the world just trying to figure out what a meme means. And it's kind of changing like i think of bollywood in india is getting big and i think of music in south korea like it's really big so cult, like culture is starting to become different we're not the only exporters of culture like we kind of used to be if you wanted to watch a movie it was in english
0: and uh, Austin, I have a question for you, Daniel. What's your reading story? What's your favorite book?
6: Mm, my reading story? I'm just a very sporadic reader of books. I started <laughs> reading at a real young age, and I've always kind of had a library. I read The Lord of the Rings when I was real young. Some books called The Tripod Trilogy that really made me like sci-fi, I'm sure. I don't know how old they are, but they're really old. And sometimes I can go like four years without reading a book, just get busy doing other things, other hobbies, Mm -hmm. take precedence, and then something will come along to pique my interest. One time it was Mark Twain's autobiography, which might seem kind of weird, but Mm -hmm. it came out and I was like, I want to listen to him talk shit on the rockefellers (laughs) he did and my favorite books are probably the art anything by r scott baker and i also like dystopian sci-fi where like the whole world didn't go to shit the whole world like appears perfect but is shit. That's what I like a lot. Where everything seems perfect because everyone's taken a soma or everyone loves <laughs> Big Brother, so everything like seems perfect but it's really not. Instead of like the post apocalyptic dystopian that it is usually in books
7: mm-hmm.
6: hmm. and sci fi anything good that like requires some imagination or inventiveness where they could be terribly wrong and history could like mock them for their terrible guess. I just like the attempt.
0: Nice. Yes. <laughs> so NC, what's what was your inspiration talking about reading stories? What was your inspiration to start writing?
9: Um why don't I don't <laughs> know. I just <laughs> I just started writing one day. I was like, I'm going to write something and see if I can write a novel. And that turned into a very crap thing that I kind of put on the shelf for a while. Um, But I was quite proud of myself. I didn't actually write a novel. It was 70,000 words. Um, And, yeah, like, I I don't know. I didn't really read much as a teenager because I was more into, like, partying and drugs and all that sort of thing <laughs> but um you know because I grew up on a in a on the Gold Coast which is a very party town um yeah anyway I probably
2: won't go into that because it's this <laughs> is like, like the anti-bookworm origin story and see this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much
9: um actually there was a funny thing that I remember um a little while back there was a, a list of things on on twitter uh, john might remember this um it was like it's, you score points as you go along or you lose oh. points as you go along yeah. and i i was like i had like two and john had 15. and it was like things that you try and it was like you know held a gun or fired a gun or something mm-hmm. or like taking drugs um
3: yeah, we were on like complete opposite. Jumped off of
9: bridge or something, and then there was like a uh, bridge. He <laughs> <laughs> got passed out drunk. And I was like, yeah. okay, I've done all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, what the, what the yeah, hell is I, wrong with you, man? I was like, I don't know. I just, I just that, that was my teenage years. Just uh, answered the questions.
3: Yeah. yeah, and I didn't do like <laughs> any of the lists. It was kind of funny.
9: Yeah. So to answer your question, um, (laughs) uh, I don't know, like it it was a culmination of things. I think at the time I was reading The Witcher, which definitely influenced, like uh, The Last Wish, that definitely influenced um, what I sort of wanted to turn the series into and what I wanted to write. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, are you gonna say something, Daniel?
6: Mm, I was gonna say John turned turned out to be a grim, dark author. It's kind of ironic. Yeah. Yeah, and strange. that and I would be a lot closer to NC, I'm sure. <laughs> I I've, I had a wild childhood as well.
3: I had a very vanilla childhood. I didn't do anything bad, really. I have a very vanilla adulthood. <laughs> I, just, I don't really do anything that's, like, crazy. Um, I don't know why. So, yeah, I guess it's really odd that I'm, like, really into Grimdark stuff. You'd think I'd be, like, Robert Jordan's biggest fan.
5: <laughs> I think it makes sense. I'm also very vanilla. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs>
9: It's you trying to bring the excitement that you're missing from your real life.
5: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
3: Must be.
0: What about you, Jolene? You crazy childhood?
8: Yeah. I, I think I peaked a little bit too early and now I'm a grandma at 28. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my parents were pretty loose. Like as, as long as I did okay in school, I could do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And I think that was... mistake on their part but i turned (laughs) out okay so
0: the grandma at 20 (laughs) what about you chris crazy uh you still recovering from that childhood
2: no like i was completely vanilla child but i think most people have a period of their life where they go try other things say let's put it that way but i had this period where i just my mom and dad in my mid mid to late 20s I just think it was just the greatest time to be alive when you first were working and you had some expendable income in some way shape or form and you were like well i'm not saving i'm not moving in the house i'm going out four nights a week and i am doing that and everybody around just going oh my god he's he's obviously got issues he's got trauma he's dealing with because he's never in the house and he's drunk 24 <laughs> 7 trying to go into work and do those things and you're like no i'm just having lots and lots of fun um and then at a certain point you get up one morning and go why have I never had any money? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I work so hard. I work so many. I do overtime and I get three days after being paid and I am beyond broke. <laughs> so, yeah, it's time to settle down and do different things after that. But, yeah, that was it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder about grimdark authors, but it looks like it come from different ends of the spectrum, sounds like. Yeah, for sure.
3: I think it's that like in media I just prefer things to be realistic and I think that Grimdark has a lot of like realistic consequences I guess Hmm. and I know a lot of people are like I don't like to read uh, for realism I like to read to escape and that's cool but I have a hard time escaping if it doesn't feel like there are realistic consequences. But of course everyone uh, finds themselves escaping into, into different things, so.
0: So NC, you're, you're, uh, I think it's the first time we've talked to you. So I have to ask you kind of the standard question I ask all the fantasy authors we've talked to. Is the first question is, is would you consider your book grimdark? And the follow-up would be, what is grimdark? to you (laughs) um
9: yes i do uh i would like to anyway um perhaps it's not as dark as some out there but uh i think it's a matter of as as john was saying like there's realistic and often violent consequences and uh it goes back to what i was saying at the beginning like i write complicated characters i write characters who will you know condemn a bunch of people to die if it means that their plan will succeed and that very very gray and blurs the lines between heroes and villains um and I think uh, and like oh, to your question I think a lot of fantasy does that saying that like a, a lot of books just in general they're like read a thriller that or a crime novel that main character will do awful things and no one blinks an eye no one says that's a grim dark novel that's whatever and i think it's it's a very sort of reactionary stance not reactionary in the whole like right-wing way but sort of a reaction to um the really high fantasy of tolkien and stuff where there wasn't really I mean there were some consequences but in terms of realism it's not really there and that I mean that has its own appeal and of course and I think it goes like Tolkien didn't write it going into going into it trying to write a story like I'm gonna show the brutality of humanity like (laughs) he wanted to show a better world and like I get that and that's cool but it's a reaction to that development because he was so influential and going on, um, and Grimdark now, I guess, would be... Yeah, it's got the grittiness and the tone, it, for sure. Like, it's it has a certain tone. If you read a lot of them, they're all like, you know, the world is shit and life is kind of crap and bleak and yeah but um and the darkness of course comes from the events and the the characters. but I guess it's like most things I was having this argument with some other people I feel (laughs) like I'm waffling here but um yeah I was having this argument with some other people who were like it's this one thing I'm like it's actually this other thing and then I realized we were both right Mm. in a lot of ways and it's just one of those things you can never nail down grim dark is just undefinable yeah
0: yeah. I don't think there's really a wrong answer. It's just everyone has a different different answer for it. Well, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Interesting. Yuli know, made a video about that, about Grimdark.
8: Yeah, and it's, a lot of people have pointed out that I'm wrong. It's so messed up yeah. in <laughs> that video. <laughs> but I, I, I guess it's difficult because... Grimdark originally came from Warhammer 40k, if I'm not mistaken. So you have the people who say, well, if it's not like that, it's not Grimdark. Mm-hmm. And then I think it has evolved since then. And it, it it has like a wider definition than just that. But yeah, like you said, there is no right or wrong, I suppose. It's just, it, it's also kind of a feeling because like what NC was saying, a lot of books have the things that, that we connect to Grimdark, but with Grimdark, I feel like there's an emphasis. On those aspects, mm. and where is the line when you define that's grimdark and that's not it? I think it's it's very personal as well.
9: Mm. well if you were to use just use the Warhammer definition, it would only sci-fi could be grimdark, because mm. it's why I'm a 40k. it said, you know, forty thousand years in the future. So it's interesting that it's almost strictly become a fantasy subgenre. Mm. But it started as a sci-fi subject,
2: that. It's interesting that when you make a video like that, you lean, like like, when you put that out, you make it because it's not definable in easy terms. Like you're not making it if everybody, if you know everybody's going to agree with you. So it's it's to make a conversation point. Yeah.
8: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's fun, but you yeah. really need to make sure that in the beginning you say, "This is what <laughs> I think." <laughs> it's not written in stone. <laughs>
0: And of course, there's always a couple of people. I was like, "No, you're totally wrong." It's like, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, Spectre to comment. As much as I like being dark and realistic, I can't get into it when everyone is a dirtbag. I need at least one person who tries to do good and get into it yeah. to get into it. Yeah, I think
3: mm-hmm. that uh, my favorite. Well, how I define grimdark is typically people morally gray characters, but I think that doesn't mean what people often think it means a lot of times people think that morally gray characters just mean like everyone's an asshole Hmm. but for me it's like uh good people do bad things for good reasons and bad people do uh i mean they can do good things for for bad reasons uh it goes both ways i think and as long as their motivations make sense uh i think that It works pretty well. I think my biggest problem with a lot of people's definition of Grimdark is uh, hopelessness. A lot of people cite that as like a necessary facet of Grimdark and I couldn't disagree more because almost even the books that people cite as being hopeless they aren't. The characters Mm -hmm. wouldn't be doing things if they didn't have hope.
9: Yeah.
3: So Yeah.
9: Like, yeah, it's it's a very common sort of smear. It's almost like, oh, you're, you're Grimdark's hopeless. It's You can't root for anyone. Like, well, no, the characters think that they're going to succeed. They quite often don't. But why would they try if they didn't have some hope that they're going to succeed? Yeah.
8: yeah. I'm so happy that all of you are saying this because I never understand what anybody means when they say no hope in a story. I. Yeah. I mentioned in that video that first law for me is like grimdark light because it has some humor and, and a lot of people said, well, no, because first law is a story with absolutely no hope and yeah, I, I just don't understand that.
3: <laughs> I think that people are just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: like,
3: I'm sorry, but if you know that there's no hope and you know, that something's not going to work. You're not going to do anything. It'd be hopeless to do anything. So, I mean, that kind of erases that argument right there, I feel like, because people are, even if it's just an inner monologue thing, I hope that I can succeed when I go and, um, I don't know, do the worst thing ever. Murder this child, maybe. Like, I hope that this works out. There's still hope that it's going, like, in a bad way, right? But it's still hope. Um, I'm sorry, Steve. I'm a Grimdark author. What did you want? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, well, at least I call my book Grimdark. A lot of people fight back against that. But you know what? Grimdark magazine said I was Grimdark, so I'm sticking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you crack me up. Um... Uh, Chadi says, I thought that too, Spectre, but I didn't like that any of the characters in the dark... I didn't like any of the characters in the darkness that comes before, but I still like the book. Hmm. I think we can confirm that there's. It doesn't get any better as, as you go in the series. So, what do you think, uh, Daniel and Katerina?
5: Well, I if like, you didn't like them in the <laughs> first book, you're probably not. I well, actually, no. I would say in the second series, the Aspect Emperor. I think there are. I think there are more characters that could be considered likable. Um, <laughs> but I don't think you're going to find any likeable characters like if you didn't like the characters in darkness it's not going to get better for you in the second and third book of the trilogy i love wow. the characters in darkness i think they're super relatable um so I, I don't see the problem with them but i can understand that everyone has a uh different way of relating to to characters
0: what do you think, daniel are there, are there any likable characters in the prince of nothing
6: I liked a character in The Prince of Nothing well enough to to root for him, and definitely in the second series, there are other characters filled with less hopeless hope. Less, we gotta murder this baby, and a little more like actual hope, maybe. And i kind of consider grimdark when i when i stop reading it if there's like no part of the world i would ever want to visit then it it's grimdark so uh that comment about not liking
3: characters i often find that people mean two different things because half the time people say i didn't like the book because i don't like the characters they mean they didn't like the characters, which is fine. But the other half of people that say that actually mean that they don't like what the characters maybe do or represent, but it's not necessarily that they don't like the characters. My favorite characters are
6: characters I don't like. So they make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. If
7: if they can ever make make me feel, feel, if,
3: yeah, if anything out there ever makes me like actively hate a character, that character immediately becomes one of my favorite characters of all time Ooh. because I don't typically like feel hatred. I think Joffrey in Game of Thrones, the show, specifically, was like the highlight of my example right there. It's like, man, I really hate him, but I love that, and I think that's my favorite type of character: is the character to like mm. you, that you hate, that you love to hate. <laughs>
9: hey yeah, sorry i hate to interrupt um but i have to head off
0: oh thanks for coming by yeah, and yeah. see
9: and congratulations on 50 episodes yeah let's do it again sometime yeah, yeah. i love the sure yeah all right nice to meet you all have a good one yeah. take care all the best nancy take care yeah.
0: and uh see we're, we're making we're sorry go ahead Daniel.
6: reminded me of a quote like the opposite of Love is not hate, it's indifference, like literally not caring. Mm. Hate and love are really close to each other, like in perspective. Indifference is the opposite of love, like not even caring enough to hate.
0: Hmm. And does Sorry, go ahead, Kendra.
5: Uh, I was just going to say, like, uh, tying you back to the darkness that comes before, my favorite characters in that book are not good people, I would never ever want to meet them in real life, but they're fascinating personalities, with a lot of depth. And I I love reading about them. I don't necessarily like them as people. Mm -hmm. But I think they're super interesting to read about.
8: Yeah, I I I agree. I I think that's fun. With reading or, or fiction, is you don't really need to have morals because these people don't exist, and it's a safe space to explore that. So I I can root for the bad guy because it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter; it's not going to happen in real life, and that's the fun part of it for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and see, we can all get along, John. See, that's the chatty man. So we're all good. Good evening, ladies, and good evening, thanks nice for coming sure. by. And uh, Charlie's favorite character is uh, Zerius, but I hate him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think in general, unlikable characters are people that do bad things, create opportunities for conflict. And conflict in any story is interesting to read. You know, that's why soaps, etc., always be popular, because there's just nothing but conflict in those shows. Even though you can like characters, dislike characters otherwise, but everybody's capable of doing unlikable things.
5: Xerius mm-hmm. yeah, uh, is great.
2: Yeah.
0: I wasn't. I I won't. I won't bring up Saban. I won't. I won't. Say it. It's too easy.
5: Saban is not great. Yeah. Quite the, quite the <laughs> opposite.
0: Good old Saban. We talk about. We mention Saban every week, even if he's not in the in the chapter we read. Just, just because. <laughs> but I'm gonna. I I wonder if. Uh, I kind of have a. I would. I don't know if I'd consider First Law really strictly grimdark. I think it's. Grimdark I think Yelena had I think it's Grimdark light I think it's like a gateway to Grimdark I don't know if it's I don't know it's Mm -hmm. borderline
8: yeah and Uh, I I think it also depends on your definition of Grimdark mm -hmm. because it it has all of those elements and I think especially the Age of Madness trilogy is more Grimdark for me at least it feels bleaker than how it started off but Mm -hmm. with the humor it's sort of makes a lot of situations easier to stomach for me at least
5: yeah I, I made the mistake of reading baker before i read the first law so i i I, mm. I i read um i read the darkness that comes before and then i read the the whole prince of nothing trilogy and then i was looking for like other books like that to read and i went and read it and searched for uh you know grimdark recommendations and everyone was recommending first law so i i, I started reading first law and like after like 100 pages i was where is the dark stuff <laughs>
7: <laughs>
5: it's just it did not compare but, I mean I still enjoyed it but it, it was a different kind of grimdark for sure
0: mm. I know John's a big fan of that series
3: yeah um, is my favorite author so and a strong influence of my writing uh, but I would agree that his books aren't like ridiculously dark. I I think I would categorize them as more grimdark than some of what you guys have said. Um, Hmm. But I think that just comes down to definition of grimdark in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for me, it's more of like a character thing for Abercrombie Um, and their character and his characters are kind of all assholes uh, in one way or the other. And, morally gray and I, I don't know so i i guess i would still say it's it's grimdark but i also say that a song of ice and fire is grimdark and i get a lot
8: of pushback on that so
3: what do i know
0: Yolene,
8: what you... i'm on the fence with that one because it's been so long since i've read it I, I think i need to decide it when i do the reread, and it will also depend a little bit on how the series wraps up because for, for First Law, I said a lot of times that it feels like Grimdark Light. But now that I've read A Little Hatred, I feel like it's definitely more Grim Dark than what I thought at the beginning. So maybe by the end, when I read the third and final book of the last trilogy, I might say, well, this is darker than I thought at first glance. So with A Song of Ice and Fire, it, it will also depend on that, I think. But I also think that if you don't like Grimdark at all, you will probably also not like A Song of Ice and Fire so there's definitely a connection there
7: hmm. that's, that's pretty true yeah um,
3: I think that season 8 of Game of Thrones and the way it ended had a lot of non-grimdark <laughs> things that happened and that really tarnished a lot of the grim darkness of the series I, I, I felt anyway and I think if the books end that way, I will be sorely disappointed. But I think Martin has kind of come out a few times and said, like, a lot of what happened was not what I wanted to happen. So,
0: yeah, I think he <laughs> kind of came out. They didn't he just kind of said, like they didn't consult him. Kind of like, you know,
3: yeah, I think he gave them like basic stuff and I think they ignored a lot of it. Uh, just kind of went their own route, which fair enough, I guess. The books aren't written, and what are you gonna do? I mean, I could—I think a five-year-old could have done better, but I digress. <laughs>
7: um, <laughs> um,
3: so you know, they took their shot and they missed, and then they lost. The showrunners lost uh, their Star Wars series because of it. So you know, actions have repercussions. Life is grimdark. I win. <laughs>
0: Uh, hey, John, thanks for coming by for uh, the episode. Appreciate it. And uh, Chadia says, yes, but we don't count that season.
3: I mean, I wouldn't count season seven either, but.
0: Well, the first half of season seven is okay. And then it, once the dick the dick jokes start, it's like, okay. So <laughs> what's going on here? It's about halfway through season seven.
2: It gets. It's like Yeah,
3: there's a lot of yeah. things that happen at the second half of season seven. That like, yeah. really irked me.
2: I need to rewatch really? all that.
3: No. Do you want to though? Yeah. Do you?
7: I do.
2: Why would it not? I think stop, that you'll say
3: I, I'm. I'm anticipating the Twitter uh, feed. I I can't wait for this season one. Amazing! I can't believe I uh. St- I, I I I remember it being so much worse. Season two. Wow! This is so fantastic. Season three. Oh my god! My mind is blown. I forgot how amazing. And then season seven, eight. Why did
2: I do this to myself? <laughs> See, I, I I should actually post what my expectations are because I think season one I'm not gonna like that much. Uh in general. It's Uh subtle. I I th- yeah, I think two three, I think by the time we get to the Ramsey Boat and stuff I'll feel I feel looking back at it, that I think it was just too sadistic. Uh that hmm. whole thing we we'll talked about this before. And then seven and eight, I don't have high expectations are. So I expect we watch Will only kind of elevate it slightly in my mind. That I mean, that, that's I think that's the way I would I would look at it going in, but often rewatchers just kind of flip that script completely on you. And you go actually, yeah. everything I liked, to dislike, and everything I disliked, I liked. It's, it's we funny were because talking about go
6: ahead, patience, and how. It's fun when they try to change the endings, but now we're talking about Game of Thrones and you guys are all taking your words back. <laughs> it, was a swing, it was a swing and a miss, but if it was a swing and a hit, you would love it. You see? <laughs> that's true. true. strange thing about adaptations. It's true. They didn't, yeah. they didn't really true.
3: have an ending that fit the world, though. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It didn't seem yeah. thematically consistent, indeed. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the biggest problem. I, I also wonder what it's like rewatching something like that when you take out the narrative device of the surprise so when you're watching something or reading something for the first time how it's a big surprise can actually make you forget everything good or bad about it beforehand and so you focus on that one thing whereas if i already know what the surprise is going to be do i focus on other parts of the story and the lead up to it and how how i earned it is
0: and charlie had a comment this isn't a change which i guess the books aren't in yet so (laughs) we don't know for sure but (laughs) I'm sure it'll be changed in the books, I'm assuming so. Uh, what were we going to say, Yuli?
8: Oh, um, I am actually re-watching uh, Game ah, of Thrones. Oh. Yeah. We are five episodes in, I think. And at hmm. this point, I'm I'm enjoying it more than I thought. Because a lot of people said, um, when well, when people were discussing season seven and eight, and seeing how bad it was, some people told me, well rewatch the first season because it's extremely cheap and you're not going to love it as much. So I had low expectations and I'm really liking it,
7: Ah, which is
8: the other funny thing is that my husband also watched the series together with me for the first time, but he doesn't remember anything. (laughs) So it's, it's funny because I know what's going to happen and it seems like he has forgotten everything. But even though I know what's going to happen, I'm, I'm still really enjoying it. Mm. And it also reminded me how much I love that series because House of the Dragon. I really enjoyed it getting back into that world. But now seeing season one of Game of Thrones, it's better, in, in my mm. opinion, at least. And I think that big part of my love for House of the Dragon is just the nostalgia of Game of Thrones.
2: Mm. I think we talked about the different. for me the difference between the two series is like Game of Thrones is a massive world. It's you yeah. know, you're jumping all over the place, whereas House of Dragons is very self-contained within, you know, two, three locations, a smaller set of characters, you know, a smaller overall narrative. Um, so you kinda of approach these things, but they definitely have a similar taste and feel and smell and and uh, perception of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder how much of that how much of House of the Dragon is because we Missed it. We missed that world. Because I know mm-hmm. like the first few minutes of House of the Dragon episode one is like, oh it feels like I'm back home again, you know? It felt yeah. like exactly it felt good to be back.
3: It's like as soon as that theme song hit, I was like, Oh, we're back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
5: when sure. I finished the first episode, I was like ninety percent sure I was going to immediately reread the books. Then I, I I didn't because I have like other 10 series I need to finish first. (laughs) Um, But it did, like it did, it did reawaken the enthusiasm I have for the, for the show and for the books, especially. So it it definitely, it definitely works on the, with the nostalgia strings. Mm
0: -hmm. Are you, does that mean you're going to be rereading with us in January, Katerina?
5: (laughs) Don't tempt (laughs) me. (laughs) I mean, I I would love to, but it's, it's, there's just, I'm not able to do a, a Song of Ice and Fire read-along and a uh, Aspect Emperor read-along at the same time. It's just, it's, it's too much.
0: Uh, Daniel, you're reading with us, right? <laughs>
6: well, I'll, I'll be in the chat for the he's, comments.
0: He's, he's trying to find a nice way shirt. to say no.
6: <laughs> Since I've watched the show and read the book, I know enough what happens. Yeah,
7: That's fair.
6: I'll try to... I'll come confuse you in the chat, though. It doesn't, doesn't take
0: much. Yeah.
6: <laughs> I heard one fan theory that was crazy enough to confuse me, so maybe it'll confuse other people. Uh,
0: oh, looking forward to it. Pretty good stuff. Well, we're coming up on three hours. Uh, <laughs> time wow. just uh, flies, but really appreciate sure all of you coming by, Katerina and Yolene especially, because you know it's late for you and Chris. Yeah. It's late for you, too, so...
2: Uh, Oh, Kevin and Yulin beat me by an art, very least.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But um, thanks for coming by, and I think we're going to have something next week. I know it's the day after Thanksgiving. For I don't know, sometimes people are traveling, but I think we'll probably try and throw something together for next week. But um, have that here coming up. Discuss that. And Chadi is going to be reading with us, and it is three a.m. for her.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Special medals handed out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
0: Have some some medals for everybody. But uh Chris, if people want to get in touch with you, where's
2: the best place to find you? You can find me on YouTube at Chris Smolen or you can find me on Twitter at seven o'clock shadow as long as it's still up and running. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> the mice are still turning, yeah, you know, so I think it's okay. Uh John, where can people find you and your work?
3: Uh I'm on Twitter at a Grim Bastard. Uh and we can uh, find me on facebook i guess it's just also at a grim bastard um but i'm really most active on twitter honestly
0: and katarita where can people find you
5: the page chewing forum or i'm also on instagram at the errand
7: nice oh i'm
3: also on page chewing
7: Forgot to, as forgot am to i that.
0: oh yeah okay.
5: yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: that thing no, yeah. It's, snowing. Yeah, it's snowing it's um, snowing it's got
2: chat functions it's got everything now it's like yeah okay i before we move on real quick let me just put in
3: i've only been on page showing for a month maybe two months i don't remember how long i've been out there
0: I have my hand on the band button just in case, but go ahead.
3: (laughs) I was just going to say, wow, it's improved so much in that small time.
0: Oh, thank you. I think.
3: (laughs) It it wasn't bad before. I just mean, there's been a lot of changes and a lot of additions. And it's just
7: kind of really cool.
0: No, I'm just joking. I appreciate it. (laughs) I've been trying to add some little features in there. (laughs) I I appreciate it. Uh, Daniel. Yeah. Where uh, Where can people find you, Daniel? Or not find you.
6: The only place I'll respond is in the chat part of page chewing. I've never said a word in there yet, but I've seen it all and it's there now.
0: It is, yeah. It's there. And of course also in the uh Prince of Nothing series YouTube videos, right? You you uh you stalk those comment that comment section too.
6: I guess there'll be a comment section for this too. I'll, yeah. I'll hear things.
0: Yeah, we uh we hear I'm, we're, we're grateful people listen but we do get corrected on things that we get wrong like I I think I've done a, I've said a few things where we talked about a, a mule and it was really a horse or you know nothing major but so people are sure to correct us but How we appreciate you? people listening it's, it's I
6: appreciate getting corrected correctly
0: yeah
8: <laughs> yeah that's so probably pretty rare huh?
7: fine. <laughs> yeah
0: and uh, Yulene where can people find you
8: um so i have a small uh, youtube channel jolene reads and there there are a couple of links best chance is probably my discord or on the page chewing forum i check those two daily twitter uh, very sporadically (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) cool uh so you can find me on the page Chewing forum we also have the blogs up now um i'm slow on that but trying to keep up with it so anyone who wants to blog there let me know because i can't keep up with all of it i bit off a little bit more that i can chew so (laughs) <laughs> but thanks everyone for coming by, Yulina. I think you've had the most visits. I meant to count before, but I think you've been a guest the most. I think by far, Chris. I think, I think you're pretty close. I'll have to add it up, but uh, I know uh, like Taylor has been on a few times, um, but I think the two of you are probably the most. So I'll have to hand out some awards mm-hmm. to both of you for, <laughs> for putting up with me for so long.
8: Yeah, I, I think the first time that I went um, live, it, it was still you and one other guest. Yeah. So then it was me, and then you changed the format, and now we have a bunch of people and a group chat. So oh, it's nice. it's nice to see how it evolved over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like it, that see what happens. And
6: I have to be tied for the least, right? <laughs> we're we're at one now.
0: Because of the
2: newbies, yeah, yeah it's, but it's we'll have to fix it. Yeah. I think I find there's lots of people on zero, though, Daniel. So you're again, you're <laughs> you're markedly ahead of a lot of others. <laughs> yeah. That's well
0: doors open anytime just let me know when you want to come by and stay up late you'll uh, just katarina have your big mug of tea ready and yeah. be ready to go <laughs> stay up late but cool thanks everybody really appreciate all of you hanging out and of course everyone in the chat uh hanging out with us i was kind of surprised i made it to 50 but appreciate all of you coming to hang out and shoot the breeze with me so we'll see everyone uh, next week
7: cool.
8: congratulations and bye yeah hey, man.